Hello and welcome to IndiePod, an indie games podcast, your weekly source for all the indie games news you need to know. This week we're bringing you, motherfucker, dude, I, I forgot to open the dock and I forgot to actually <sighs> count the stories. One, How many two, stories? Three, four, five. There's five new wow, stories. Wow, counting with Vaughn. Not so only many. is this great for indie games, but it's also educational. That it is. I have this nice pair of spectacles on. See? It makes me more intelligent. We've already discussed this off uh, I told off you, dude. I told you. You sounded so smart before we started recording. The minute you press that record button, just all of that intelligence <laughs> just dumps right out of your brain. Just, Go on, let's do it. Like, immediately. So it's oh basically God. like I put up a front when actually like having a personal conversation, but then when we hit record, that's when my real personality comes out. Sweet. Or it's vice versa. This could nah, just dude, be your front, you know? I'm straight up a fucking idiot. Like, don't... <laughs> You're missing the tight head. Yeah. 100%. I mean, that just does fit with uh, where he lives. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, dude. I live in the backwoods, Idaho. <laughs> uh, so, this is an Indie Games podcast. Uh... We're obviously going to get into the Indie Games news stories, but before we get into that, my name is Vaughn Hyde, and I'm also joined by my illustrious co-host, the biggest Vavage Adjust Boys, and a returning guest, Mr. Chris Penwell from That Their Active Quest. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing, doing well. excellent. Awesome. I'm glad to hear you guys are both doing well. You're going to, you know, like weather with me through this storm. Uh, so yeah, it's it's really exciting. Uh, the storm, by the way, what I was talking about is this is gonna go so terribly. I'm okay. so excited for this for this podcast to go off the rails. I'm honestly surprised I'm recording right now. That's that's how <laughs> l- how like how little confidence I have in my skills. We'll get there. Don't you worry. Yes. Yes. We One will. way or another. <laughs> so. I was going to ask you guys something that's honestly... Oh, okay. So here we go. Uh, Josh and I were talking off here. How, so do you trim your balls or do you shave them all? Like, is that... <laughs> that's true. <laughs> this, this was a conversation before we started recording. <laughs> do you 100% go weed whacker or do you just trim it a little bit? You know, to like make it look a little bit better. Nobody wants to answer? Okay, so I actually want to ask a real question here. Um, I, I, I need some real tips and I feel like I'm going to have to call into a headline or or a headline, a call line or something like a, like the love and sex stuff call Mm. line the next time that kind of funny does that because I need to ask them how exactly they trim the hair on the, don't they have a sponsor for that right now? I, yeah, they do. But like, I don't know if Dollar Shave Club necessarily makes the specific kind of razor that allows me to literally shave my ball sack. I think there's a specific brand you can actually shave your ball sack. Really? I think wow. so. I think that some podcasts have actually been sponsored by it. I, I just can't remember what it's called. Oh my I'm, god. If we could get that as a sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm terribly afraid so to accidentally cut my balls. For I'm, sure. I'm I've done it before. It's awful. They're they're really the most impressive thing on my body, so I don't want to like mess with them. If you guys didn't know, I got huge balls. So <laughs> Wow. At least I've been told oh. by my fiance. So Well then. She Congratulations. Can't be wrong. Everybody is now in this boat. Knows far too much about me. I mean, I'm pretty sure they've known quite a bit even before that. 
That's a good point. Yeah, I reveal far too much on this podcast. Uh, Chris himself has fallen into this pit when he thought he would uh, come at me with five facts, and then it just went terribly for him. <coughs> Face. So, no big deal. But this is an indie games podcast, so we have all been playing some indie games, and then some that are not. But... <laughs> some that are not. <laughs> <laughs> so, Big Josh Boy, let's hear about Undermine by... Uh, I'm I'm not even gonna try to pronounce that developer name. It's not even gonna happen. <laughs> uh, I believe it is Thorium Entertainment. That was um, much easier than I thought it would be. Yeah, it's not too bad. Uh, so Undermine is a game that I've been. It's been on my radar for quite a while now. I think it came out in 2018, as far as uh, early access, or maybe it was 2019. Um, so last year. But this is this is a game that's still in early access. It is very much a roguelite game. Um, where essentially you are a, they call them peasants because they're just, uh, perishable basically, but you're a peasant who is going down into a mine because you're told to do so, um, from some kind of king or some person who's there and you're going down, you're just trekking through all of these different enemies that are attacking you, um, and trying to collect as much gold and as many relics as you can. Um, you find out later as you keep going through the runs that there's this, uh, inherent evil that's farther down into the mines that you're being tasked to defeat. Um, and the way it works is every time you go through this run, very much like a roguelike, you will end up dying most likely because you're not going to be good at first. Um, and then every time you come back up, you can retain a portion of the currency that you gathered. So there's two different kinds. There's one that's gold and there's one that I believe it's actually called thorium. And it's like these purple crystals that allow you to craft things and the gold you can spend on upgrades in the shops, uh, that will make your attack better, will make your, um, health increased, just, you know, the general things that you would get. And then they have additional ones like, uh, having always a relic at the start of the match, which, or uh, the run, which means having like a small power up. And the reason why this is cool is this is a 2d roguelike where, uh, you're basically looking, uh, downwards towards your character, but it's kind of like at a slanted angle, but you still have a jump ability. And so a lot of your dodging is by jumping over things and jumping to the side. There's not really like a, uh, a way to move faster or to dash or anything. You're jumping over the enemies. You have a main attack where you can attack the enemy with a pickaxe or you can throw it at them. And then all of your upgrades and power-ups will be different based on, you know, sometimes it's, oh, a faster throw, or sometimes every time you throw your pickaxe, it'll ricochet across different enemies and things like that. So there's a lot of variability in that with general roguelikes of having, you know, you could play one run and have something totally different with your strategy based on the next time you go. The reason why I'm really enjoying this is because there's a lot of good variation to you playing failing but having small progressions in the game that make it feel uh, more fair or more like you're you're getting better at the game we talked a little bit about this with children of morta and how they did that i think really really well i think children of morta does it a little bit better because they have more of a storyline to it um and that 
gets people more into it. But what Undermine does is a lot of these characters or shopkeepers that are in the game, you're finding them as you're playing. Each time you'll get random events that will spawn on the, the different maps that you're going to. So sometimes you might get a person who's trapped and you have to save them by using resources like keys. And you could also just leave them in there. But if you actually save them, then the next time when you uh, die and start back over from the uh, the main point, you'll have that shopkeep who will now start selling you things before you get into the run. And that might be upgrades or things that you can carry into that next run to make yourself a little bit stronger to prepare yourself for that um, eventual playthrough. I really enjoy it. I'm having a ton of fun with it. I think I'm about like 11, 12 hours into it. Um, I just finally beat it up to the point that they have it completed, meaning, uh, once again, this is an early access. So there's about four main areas and bosses. I think it, it based on the way uh, the game is slated, it looks like there's one more level that they're going to have. Um, but it's early access, so they haven't gotten to that part yet. So it basically gave you a like hey, this is as far as you can get. You're going to die now, and it'll restart again, which is fine. Um, uh, it was the first time I got there last night, uh, which was actually pretty tough, um, which has been you know, a fun part about getting better at this game and you know, having that right run, which I think is very, influ- like, very essential for uh, roguelikes in general. Um, but then once you beat the game, you also get this new mode that they created called Other Mine which makes it even more of a roguelike. It takes the game and instead of having it where you have set bosses to fight each time and then afterwards they're defeated, now the game will start you off where instead of having those power-ups that you keep retaining, you just get a random set of power-ups and curses and different items that you start the run with, all very random. And just like in uh, the game, it's even more of RNG heavy as to what different upgrades you can find inside the mine as you're going down. So I, I really like that they they played into that because it just makes it even more RNG heavy for that replayability. Some people won't like that, but I actually like the game mode a lot because it just it really plays into what's best about this genre of games. Um, I'm having a good time with it. I think it's well worth it it's about i think 16 bucks on steam uh but it's definitely something that like i said i've already put in like 12 hours or so and i still feel like i haven't you know gotten all that i can from it at this point so definitely something uh to consider did you uh did you get a code for this or did you did you shell out for it on steam so yeah so i i asked the developers they never got back to me uh unfortunately (laughs) Um, so I had to shell out for this and I think it was worth it because I really enjoyed it, but I never, I never got uh, a code from them. Oh, well that was my next question. I wanted to know if you thought it was worth it. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, it, it definitely was. I, so I got excited about this game because I, I frequently watch a streamer, uh, Cobalt Streak, who is normally known for playing Binding of Isaac all the time, uh, but he he plays a lot of different roguelike and roguelite uh, genre games. And so this is one that he's been recently playing. And like I said, I had this kind of on my radar when it first came out into early access, but I kept just watching him play it and I saw the new other mind mode and I was like, all right, I'm just going to bite the bullet and actually go for it. And I'm glad I did. It was, it's been a lot of fun. 
do you ever have like a like you were talking about the jump mechanic and how you're at this like kind of like isometric view but it's actually a little bit off to the side do you Mm -hmm. ever have an issue with like depth perception because it seems like it might be hard to actually gauge where you're jumping um it's not as bad as you would think uh there is there are times where the jump mechanic can get a little weird because if you jump and a monster there's certain like enemies that will hit you and kind of knock you up if you do that there's this weird mechanic where you kind of like float way higher than the game registers for and then you kind of get stuck for a second and that can be a little wonky but otherwise uh the actual platforming of it it takes a little bit to get because it does feel a little floaty in general the way they've done it. Um, but after, you know, an hour or so of playing into it, you it doesn't feel very different. The only thing that I hate, honestly, is like you later into the game will get these boots that make you faster when there's no enemies near. And it is very, very useful because honestly, it does speed up the game in a way that makes it much better. But I am always falling down holes because of it, like into different <laughs> traps. And I like, this is why I die the most is because this game, I constantly just keep falling down holes. It is so like, I get so mad. I love the game, but that one part, I'm always like, oh, these fucking holes. Um, luckily, there is this one relic uh, power up that lets you levitate just over anything at all times. And I always, always i'm like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna do good this time just because i get those boots is because once i could stop falling i'm great (laughs) so each time you die do you start off with like just the base equipment or is this kind of like uh kind of like um moonlighter where you slowly like build up your character yeah so this is this is very like moonlighter so the way it works is while you're you're playing this you're collecting gold uh down in these mines and when you die you lose a good portion of that money um but you retain a certain amount and with that amount that you retain you'll then come back and go to these shops and buy those upgrades that will make it so you have more health you have more damage you have uh of longer distance to throw your axe pick you have all these different things uh certain relics and upgrades so you can go through this game and you can play it and beat it without all of those that there are achievements for that but most people will generally play this game will over time accrue different upgrades different you know increases to their ability and then have an easier time and get better so there is that like i said uh that form of progression that makes it so the game isn't just a we'll get good at it kind of a style uh how many bosses have you faced it seems like i'm looking at the like on steam for the screenshots and so far the only ones that i've seen that or at least the only one i've seen is actually the centipede because it looks like this other one that seems like he might like he's got this boss-esque vibe is more of a vendor than a boss he's like a demon-esque character with eyes on his hands yeah so there's uh so there's well there's one at the start that i would consider a mini boss um but right now there's four main bosses there's four main worlds and a boss at uh the end of each one of those um so those bosses even though like it's weird because it's it's not as uh it's not as heavily focused on the bosses because one of the things i briefly mentioned is when you defeat one they're done for that entirety so like beating a boss is uh a completion mark in this game unless you're playing that other mine version 
Um, if you're playing the main campaign of this game, you beat a boss with one of the characters, and then if you die and come back, that boss will be gone. So more of the game is focused around, you know, defeating that boss, but then getting to the next world constantly and going through and collecting these power-ups and collecting money to upgrade and getting further and further to see how far you can go kind of a thing. I like that way better because I love a sense of progression in games. Mm-hmm. And I don't think roguelikes provide that for me, so that's good. Yeah, I mean, so I go back and forth because I think with a game like this, it does make sense. Um, but like, and to call back The Binding of Isaac, like I love the fact that it's not... Uh, you know, something where you kill a boss and then it wouldn't come back. And I think it makes sense because that game is done in a way where there's so many different types of bosses that it cycles through to keep that, you know, uh, that freshness to the game. If they constantly had you fight the same boss over and over and over again, it probably would get a little stale, right? So, like, I think it does make sense having that. And it also, like I said, and you alluded to, that form of progression, it definitely does make this... uh, much more accessible to a wider audience. I really can't believe that you haven't yet mentioned the fact that this game has beautiful slimes. The cutest on, little slimes? Yeah, they have the cutest little slimes. Those guys suck, though. They're such assholes. They look like they steal your shit. All they do is steal money. All they do. Dude, so that's one of the... There's like a little mini game in this game where anytime gold pops onto the screen these little green guys just show up and they're like we gotta steal the gold and they just rush for it so like if something blows up uh, a pocket of gold and gold flies on the screen and you're also fighting enemies you're you're dealing with the enemies you're dealing with these little guys who are stealing your gold and you're like oh no and then you you oftentimes have to deal with like do i just let them take the gold because i don't want to get hit or do you like panic and try to run and collect the gold get hit anyway and like it's a whole big mess those guys are assholes (laughs) Do they appear out of nowhere? Or are they kind of like like an unknown environmental hazard? Uh, out of nowhere. So they just like, it's random where they'll just pop out of the ground. That's awesome. <laughs> I think I got to play this game. It honestly looks dope. I really, really like this 16-bit art style. I think it looks very, very beautiful. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Like I said, uh, I think especially if you're into roguelike games, this is going to be something that I would recommend picking up. Um, I definitely also like the new game mode that they just came out with, that other mine, which makes it even you know heavier into being a roguelike as opposed to more roguelite-esque. Um, but I definitely have enjoyed myself with this game. Awesome. Uh, so... Instead of going to me, I would actually like to go to Chris, so then we can kind of end on a rock block of indie games. Chris, you've been playing <laughs> Three-Fourths Home by Bracket Games. So, are you enjoying it? What's the game about? Yeah, so it's um, an interactive visual novel. Um, it's uh, based in um, a, a, a state in the US that's kind of like far off, you know, um, like Idaho, I guess. I was uh, going to say, I, I think it's Minnesota. <laughs> it's in Nebraska. It's Nebraska. Nebraska. <laughs> it, it, it's, oh, yeah, it's based in uh, Nebraska, sorry. And uh, it's, it tells a story about uh, this woman who uh, was in, um, uh, engaged with someone from a different state, so she f- went away. Uh, for a bit and then uh, she comes back to um, Nebraska um, and it, it deals with those familial issues um, and uh, family issues of alcoholism and things like that and basically it's an interactive story where you're stuck in this storm 
and uh, you're trying to get back home um, as uh, in this car, right? And so the gameplay is very simple. You're in this car and you're um, choosing dialogue options. So you call uh, your mother and your family members on the phone. And the conversation can go in different ways depending on what you choose. Um, it's very interesting that the writing's fantastic. It feels very natural and um, it, it was pretty impactful actually um, with how it, it takes on these uh, themes and it does a very good job. Um, there's no voice acting at all, uh, but um, I, I think its sound effects are very, very um, well implemented. Uh, there's uh, rain. There's uh, the sound of the winds. There's it's very um, atmospheric, um, but also you can play this kind of like lo-fi kind of music in the background too. But I opted not to choose that because the lo-fi music was kind of irritating to me um, <laughs> and was going against the whole theme of the game. So I decided to turn it off, and I, I enjoyed it way more because of that. Um, but yeah, like I think it tackled the um, concept really well, and I I think it's got a bunch of IGF awards as well. Um, so I would definitely uh, recommend checking it out. Um, I'm actually I actually wrote a review on it um, for Sip Read Repeat, so I think that should come out soon. Hmm. Awesome. And it's under I... two bucks as well on Switch. So. Oh damn. That's a great yeah. deal. No, I actually just had a question. You said that it doesn't have any voice acting. So is this like, is it all played out in text or is it something like... It's all like... played out in text, yes. Oh, okay. I was wondering if it was something like Florence where it's kind of just like you're meant to interpret what it's meant to say. No, no. It's 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 exactly like that, just text. And But I think like if it had voice acting, it would really take away from that emotional storytelling that the writing does really well. How long did it take you to beat it? Or have you beaten it yet? It's, it takes about an hour to go through the main story. But okay. um, there's multiple branching paths um, that you could replay the game and find something new. Um, because you could be like a jerk to your mum or you could be like sympathetic, you know. So there's, <laughs> there's different ways you could go about it. And uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the game and you know for under two dollars it's a nice kind of one hour experience just to chill out to and just um be engaged with this uh very emotional story was the um so i'm I'm watching a video of it was the reading the actual text annoying to do at times uh no I, okay because no. i'm 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 watching a part where and i like this small detail of it that makes it more immersed of it's raining and the text is also being rained on, so you kind of yeah. can't see it as well, which I guess implies, Didn't bother you know. Me. No. Okay. I, I can understand why they do that because they're immersing you in that same feeling of the person driving can't really see much. So mm -hmm. it, it gives it that effect, which is cool, but it, it definitely just seems like, depending on how they've done it, if that gets annoying or, or old over time. But I'm glad they I honestly didn't find it irritating, um, but something I think might steer people away is that you actually have to hold the button uh, to keep going, uh, to keep the car running, right? So uh, oh, it's like um, uh, putting your foot on the pedal or something. Right. Yeah? Oh, uh, you and when you take right. your button off the pedal, then uh, you're uh, in freeze frame, huh. which is cool. Um, yeah, but I also want to say that the visual storytelling is really good. Um, you can see the 
cornfields in the fore- foreground, and then in the background there's um, buildings and stuff, uh, nostalgic buildings for um, the ca- the character, the protagonist has mm-hmm. uh, has experiences with. Right, so there's lots of cool kind of factors to this game, and uh, I I really enjoyed my time with it. How much does the setting change like throughout the actual game? Because it seems like mostly scrolling through like different screenshots and stuff on Steam, ninety percent of it is like a cornfield. It most of it is a cornfield, but at the same time, like when whenever that does happen, it does make an impact because of that. So it's like, oh, that's something different there. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah, that's this game does look really interesting. Like the the art style is kind of. I don't know. It's like ominous and creepy in a way. Yeah. Like it, it kind of looks like dark, dreary. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very interesting. I might have to check this out, especially for like under two bucks or on Steam. It's only five dollars right now, or I guess mm. it's just five dollars in general. Yeah. The extended edition. So. Hmm. And the extended edition awesome. comes with an epilogue as well, um, and I think that's the base version of the game now. So yeah, it, it tells a bit about what happened before i believe um the whole incident so yeah i I think it was i think it's pretty cool and uh it's a good package nice so i do want to ask you guys a question this isn't necessarily about this game sorry to like go off topic which i normally do um of course with like buying stuff on steam and stuff do you guys ever actually like buy the art books and soundtracks because i always see them listed as dlc but i've never known anybody who bought them nope (laughs) But, I mean, you would know if you asked me. Yeah, that's a good point. I also saw, if you guys are fans of uh, Steam trading cards, this game does give you Steam trading cards. Yes, I I do sell them for, like, uh, cents, a few cents here and there. Like, six cents each card. (laughs) You actually sell them? I just think they're cool. Yeah, Yeah. you sell them. You sell them because people like you buy them. I'm not going to buy them. That's what you say now. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, I'll probably end up buying them eventually. So, Chris, you have also been playing Destiny 2 on Stadia. How's that going? And it's technically an indie game, by the way. Ah, whatever. Technically. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've been playing it on Google Stadia. It just became free for people. Um, you can uh, access the game through Stadia Pro, I believe they call it, and uh, it's free for two months. So I've been playing a bunch of free games and uh, Destiny 2 is one of them. Um, yeah, they, the, the first thing that came to, uh, came to me on the screen is like, do you want to use cross-save? I was like, I've never heard of this feature before in Destiny 2. Um, so I went on the website and it, I was able to take my PS4 save data and put it on the Stadia version, mm-hmm. which is amazing. It's yeah. awesome. Uh, with like with them kind of gauging people's like bandwidth right now, does it run well on Stadia? What did you play it on, like a PC <clears throat> a or? Point. Yeah, I played it on a web browser on Chrome, um, through the PC with my Xbox One controller, and uh, I it's a very good experience, guys. Like I have I have good internet, uh, so I was able to play it at its fullest. Um, very very good reaction time it's as if i'm playing the game on the ps4 um and i didn't get any lag or anything like that it was it was a perfect experience Hmm. after i i know you've been kind of skeptical about stadia in the past after like playing this are you more kind of in that stadia camp or are you uh still pretty skeptical 
so, like anything, like I've mentioned with the Xbox in uh, le- the latest episode of Active Quest, it needs the games, and I don't. Th- I think Stadia is kind of failing on that, um, just because like they didn't set up their first party lineup properly. Uh, we've got Guilt, but that's about it. Um, and for people to be invested in Stadia, they need the games, and they're just not doing it. Yeah, I mean, they, they are getting studios now, but I yeah, will agree it's that too it's, late. it's one of those, you know, little too late kind of things. Um, yeah. We'll see, because Google's in, in you know, uh, a place where they can kind of eat that cost for quite a while anyway. <clears throat> um but yeah, they're they're definitely not getting you know that large sweep of fans anytime soon until that happens. Granted, you know this this two months free thing will probably get a, a good amount of people. I'm way more interested in it now. Um, yeah, exactly. Now that so, I know the tech works, and I think it was a big mistake for Stadia to launch uh, without it being free to everyone to access. You know. Right. Um, I think that was a big mistake, and they they messed up on their their model. Um, but to get back to Destiny Two, like I I went into the game and I was like, <laughs> I had no idea what what to do. You know, um, I, I I went to a world that was over leveled, and it didn't tell me when the next DLC uh, was uh, able to be accessed. Mm. <laughs> so I was like, what am I doing? Where do I go? This is so confusing. So I wish Bungie uh, did a better job at uh, addressing to people, okay, this is where the next content of Destiny 2 chronologically is available at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you kind of have to be in that ecosystem and just know and live with it. I I, I feel like games like this, especially since they're so community-based, are more of like relying on the actual fans themselves to take in new people and kind of bridge that gap. But, yeah, if you're doing this on your own, you're definitely just going to be lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, I think being, like, a fan of Destiny since it originally came out, with Destiny 2, the easiest way to track it is kind of to know the symbols on the map, which is a weird thing to say. Because, um, like, the, the Curse of Osiris DLC way back when has, like, kind of an eye map, or, like, an eye symbol, whereas, like, different, um, the, like, Shadow Keep stuff has, has a different symbol on the map. And you have to hover over certain missions, and it'll tell you what part of what campaign it is. So, they do kind of a job about it, and they also have it uh, to where, when you're going to load up the map, I believe you can click, like, I play on PS4, so you can click uh, L2, I believe, and it pulls up your progression through different campaigns and stuff and tells you where to go for them. But they don't exactly make it easy. So <laughs> I, I understand your uh, your kind of like frustrations with that. Yes. And I, I, I knew I forgot a game that I was playing. Um, I was playing Pirates Outlaws. Uh, have you played this game before, guys? No. I've literally um, never heard of it until this moment. <laughs> yeah, so I was playing it on Android on my phone, and it's um, very similar to Slay the Spire. Ah. Yes, it's very interesting, actually. I, I love the art style of it. Uh, it's got this really cool 2D art style look that's like cell, cell shaded. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I like the pirate theme and how they've incorporated it. It's so similar to Slay the Spire, though. There's bosses at the end, um, there's roguelite elements. 
Um, I don't know if that's the right term, maybe. <laughs> um, because I have no idea. Uh, but basically, um, you're uh, unlocking all these cards that are pirate themes, and uh, you have to rebuild um, your actions with um, ammo. So you build up ammo uh, to unleash your skills. And mm. you, it's very challenging. <laughs> it can get very challenging. Um, and. Uh, Personally, I, I'm really enjoying the game. I got it for cheap, um, but the, the one Where of are you the playing things, it on? Um, Android. Okay. So I was able to get it free actually with the surveys I do with Google. So that's something I yep. recommend, guys. Do the surveys and <laughs> Google, you get free games. That's um, how I get all my apps. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, uh, yeah, on the App Store, for example, it's um, ninety nine cents. So that's how expensive it is usually. Um, my one big thing though is um, I don't like the currency system in this. It seems like it's really slow, and to unlock all the characters and stuff, you have to play the game and try to get the currency up. And I, I don't know if there's microtransactions or not. I haven't played enough to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I I think it's got a good foundation and uh, it's pretty fun. And uh, I'd recommend just checking out a trailer or something, seeing seeing some gameplay, see if it's up to your standards it seems to have like a lot of really cool and different characters like i'm looking at the steam page right now and they have a lot it's on steam really yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. oh it costs uh a lot more than the the android i guess it's 20 (laughs) bucks but um well i'm assuming that it's because it probably comes with all the characters unlocked right away Yeah. yeah Kind of like like a founders pack. Yeah, usually mm-hmm. they do that when when games go from mobile to an actual console. They just take out whatever. Because I'm sure there are microtransactions that get you to you know actually unlock those characters quicker. So you could probably buy packs or something like that inside the app itself, which would most likely come out to around the same twenty dollar purchase. Yeah, this one uh, is in like early access on Steam, and it seems like it has been since August twenty eighth, twenty nineteen, or at least mm-hmm. that's what it says on here. It looks mm-hmm. very, very cool. I see why you say it's kind of like Slay the Spire because it has the like uh, the differing paths that you can take, and it's obviously like card based. Um, I like yeah, the art style a lot more. The shield though. as well. Yeah, the art style is really good. And- um, if you're looking for something different to Slay the Spire, but has the same kind of mechanics, um, I, I think it's a good way to go. Hmm. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah. So you have also been playing Call of Duty Warzone. How's that going? <laughs> Dude, you've been playing a lot of like free games. I just realized that. You said it. But... <laughs> oh, dear. I do have games to play. Uh, I have a backlog, but I don't necessarily attend to it, <laughs> apparently. No one does. It's okay. Oh boy. Um, so yeah, I've been playing some Call of Duty Warzone with uh, the big boy, Joseph Yaden. Big bar <laughs> <laughs> Um Yeah, it's, bit, it's, it's super fun. Um, I don't know if the, this isn't an indie game, so I won't go too far into it, but um, I, I just, I think this is the refined version of a Battle Royale, you know? Um, that the, the weapons feel so good with that Call of Duty Modern Warfare engine. Um, I, I love the different locations and the strategy that goes behind it. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm absolutely loving this game. And um, oh, oh, Also, the Gulag is a really good addition to the Battle Royale formula. Um, just because when you die, 
you have to fight another player in like this gulag arena kind of set setting to go back into the game so i, I really love that mechanic and um i i i i recommend it to anyone <laughs> to, the what to, to check out what is what is the arena called uh it's, it's the gulag Gulag. It's set in a Russian kind of um, oh, city, right? I kept so, thinking you were saying gurag. I was like, that's disgusting. I don't like none of that. <laughs> gurag oh sounds God. nasty, and you should stay away from gurags right now. Don't, yeah, don't go in any gurag yeah. arenas, <laughs> boys and girls. No. It's not good for anybody. No. One of the things about Warzone that I find most interesting, though, is that it's kind of like it's obviously free to play. You can play it without actually like purchasing call of duty uh call of duty modern warfare but also it doesn't require like you to actually i don't know about on xbox one but i know on playstation 4 it doesn't actually require you to have playstation plus to play which is kind of nice especially since like for me i'm moving i'm slowly but surely making the move to pc instead so my playstation plus ran out like a couple months ago and i luckily have not had a single game i needed playstation plus for that's good. Welcome, welcome, Vaughn, to my world. I'm very much Dude. enjoying it, with the exception of I had to buy some blue light glasses because it hurts my head. Well, you'll be fine. You I mean, them, and now you're done. Yeah, dude, they make me more intelligent as well. I, you true. don't, you can't see it, but I'm playing with my glasses. Mm. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, I, you can feel it though. Uh, so yeah. the games that I'm playing right now, the first one I want to talk about is called Cat Maze. Um, I actually picked it up on Steam because it just uh, recently went on sale. I believe it's also because it just came out. So, um, or at least pretty recently came out. I actually picked it up because it reminded me at a glance of uh, Momodora: Reverie Under the Moonlight. So of the no, huh? There's, there's not a massive amount of fan service. No, huh? I just saw a screenshot. Yeah, yeah, that's a Vaughn game. This is a Vaughn game for sure. Really? No way. Okay, I gotta. I haven't gotten any fat titties. I'm gonna look this shit up. Let's yeah. let's look at Catman. Oh look, it's a Metroidvania as well. Wow, this is the perfect Vaughn game. Yeah. No, it is. Yeah, it is a Metroidvania. <laughs> I mean, I'm. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Fat titties. This chick has like just normal boobs. I know, because in the actual <laughs> gameplay, it's much different. But like inside, what are you talking about? Normal boobs. Those are that's, that's the way they're right. drawn. It's just too yeah, provocative. That's heavy. why. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Well, it doesn't have the fan service that Momodora has. Trust me. But oh, um... excuse me. <laughs> it's not good enough for you. I see. <laughs> yeah. Not busty enough okay not busty enough 7.7 out of 10 (laughs) no it actually uh the reason i got onto it was because of the art style i didn't see like the fan service and everything but oh no it came out uh may 24th 2018 didn't recently come out that was an entirely different game i was thinking about um close enough (laughs) it was actually like super cheap i think it was like three dollars when i picked it up and i of course was like ah, i need something to play so might as well pick this one up um i really enjoy it's like 2d pixel art i think it looks really pretty obviously because i'm a momodora fan so i thought it was gonna look really good i do have some issues with it though because it tries to be this like i'm not gonna say souls like because it absolutely doesn't but it tries to be a very like difficult platformer that would require you to have kind of like preparation for battles but doesn't exactly give you the opportunity to do so mostly because like health and uh different like healing um 
like different health items are very hard to come by at least so far that I've uh, uh, that I've played. I've only found like I found one in the world itself and I found a person that would sell me one but they have like I don't think they have limited amounts. It just costs like an excessive amount to buy these, which is absolutely crazy. Um but the thing that's most annoying about that is the combat is just so slow. Yeah. that it's kind of like it's it's very hard to be accurate, mostly because like you have a bat companion, you're like a sorceress, and your entire like combat like ability is based on these different companions that you have, but they're so fucking slow and it's so annoying. So I basically have to judge like where enemies will be. I have to like lead my targets to hopefully hit them with this fucking bat. And even then, they generally close the distance and kill me anyway, which is super annoying. And it also doesn't help that like it has a like a down uh kind of like a down B, I guess, or it has like this pogo that you can do that you eventually unlock, which is like I I really hate that that's actually something that you unlock. Instead of just having it, it's so annoying. But you gain this ability, and I get fucked so hard with this pogo because the bat is so slow that I end up like running into it every time. I I'm have yet to be able to actually pogo something successfully, and it's very annoying. It bothers me a lot. Yeah, I was gonna say just watching the video, I wasn't sure if just the way they recorded the video was screwed up from like the frame rate perspective. Nope, hundred yeah, percent real. The attack looks <laughs> super clunky. Yeah, that's exactly how it is. It's very very annoying. Um, oh, yeah. I do actually really enjoy though the idea of a sorceress that has these companions and that's how you fight. Like that part is really cool, but the way that they do it is just really really obtuse like i found an additional companion that's kind of like a bug that's a bomb in a sense but it can't go over much it just detonates on whatever it touches so that's kind of annoying and it sucks my mp which at the moment doesn't actually matter because the like the bat your main melee attack doesn't actually take mp but i imagine later on once i get like a larger sleuth of these different um of these different companions it'll get like really just aggravating um but there were a few things that i really thought well actually one thing that i thought was the most annoying was there are these blocks like randomly throughout the map that are obviously meant to be like they're meant to be oh okay now i see a picture and the boobs are definitely more provocative okay (laughs) (laughs) i'm looking at the steve page and then one of the characters popped up i was like okay i see it i see it all right (laughs) They're not very well drawn, though. I do feel bad about that. I like the pixel art a lot, but the actual, like, drawn characters, not a fan. I do not like it. I They look like a janky-ass version of Neopets. It's, I just... I'm not a fan, okay? Um, but... So there's these blocks that are randomly throughout, like, the world that are meant to be broken, but you have to increase your bat's, like, strength to do so, which you could do with certain items. But the thing that's super annoying is that it's like, oh, get this item, and then you can break the block. And I was like, sweet, I'll get the item. I find the shopkeeper. She sells me the item. I go to break the block. It's like, your bat's not strong enough. It needs to have a higher strength level. I have to buy more of those items. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Really? Like, you're going to do this to me right now? So 
I don't know how to track this strength level, which is really annoying. And also, like, it, uh, they don't differentiate between blocks. Like, they don't look any different. It just looks like a gray block. So I'm like, oh, I can't destroy that block because I couldn't destroy the block before I walk over and fucking destroy it. I was like, what? What is even happening right now? Like, what, what? This is the worst signposting I've ever seen in a fucking game. How was I supposed to know I could go that way? What is happening right now? It's it's really annoying. I haven't I haven't played too much of it, but uh, so far, uh, my opinions are like I'm I've been pretty soured on this game. Not enough big titties, I guess. This is really <laughs> what it comes down to. So sounds about right. Too much like Neopets. Neopets okay, titties. dude. Like seriously, just look at the actual like overlays during conversations. <laughs> they don't they, look they good. They look bad. very bad. And they're, like they're relying on the babies. Yeah, definitely. They definitely do. Um, So, the next game I've actually been playing is a similar vein. I've been playing Momodora 3. So, this is a big departure from Reverie Under the Moonlight, where, like, Reverie is very much inspired by Dark Souls. Like, it has very dynamic combat. It has, like, different healing items that regenerate every time that you, like, every time you die or you save they regenerate and all sorts of stuff like it's very dark souls-esque versus momodora 3 which is similar but much much different because it doesn't have like this combo based gameplay or at least it just doesn't have combos in general from what i've seen um and it's uh the control scheme is not good it is Mm -hmm. i'm not a fan so the control scheme is uh, it says it has partial controller support. I tried to plug in my controller and it wouldn't work. So maybe I've got to like try to redo it, um, which hopefully then it'll make a little bit more sense. But the control scheme without a controller, which I don't know how anybody played this when it was a browser, uh, when it was a browser game, but the controls are the arrow keys like allow you to move, but then to attack and jump uh, is A is to jump and to attack Oof. is S, which... I cannot change those, and I often accidentally click the other. So I'll be trying to attack somebody. Yeah, because I I haven't been able to use my controller yet. Like, it says it has partial controller support, but when I plugged mine in, nothing happened. Can you do it through Steam? Through, like, a custom kind of button layout? Oh, well, I have, like, X-Patter, and I could use that. Like, there are programs to do it, but I would rather have the game... Like, be able to actually kind of... I would rather be able to play this without having to use an additional program just to play the game well. Yeah. In a sense, because the controls just on PC are not very good. Like, on on keyboard, I guess, mouse and keyboard, are not that good. And it's very, very annoying. Um, I love the cute characters in pixel art. They're awesome. They're absolutely, like, fantastic. It's not... This one, I have yet to see any fan service stuff, okay? This is real. <laughs> I'm not going to see it like with Cat Maze. I have yet to see anything that's super fan service like no fat titties, none of that stuff. Instead, these are just kind of cute, like, chibi-esque pixel characters. They're, they're all little girls, which say what you want about that, but it's very cute. Um, and, like, so... The combat itself, talking about the controls, it's not hard... Like it's, it's kind of, it's only hard because it's obtuse. Um, and there are like, 
the enemies have very few attacks, so it's easy to judge their patterns. So I went up against a boss and could easily get through it without it actually hitting me because you would just do three swipes and then stand there for like five seconds and then do three swipes again instead of having more of like a large variety of attacks to where I don't know exactly what's going to happen, which I guess is is kind of just like something I've grown to want in games. It's not something that's often given um but uh oh because of the controls fucking going down is really annoying like you know how you descend platforms in most 2d platformers you like push down and then you jump Mm -hmm. you like go down it's like okay that works but since um these controls are kind of obtuse i've like tried to go down before and having to click the two buttons at the same time like i swear to god i've done it and it just doesn't work 100 mm-hmm. percent doesn't work like i'll just jump in the air i'm like i don't know why you do that but i also forgot to mention uh cat maze is developed by uh red black spade and momodora 3 is i i think it's supposed to be r dean something like that not 100 percent sure like and that's it still? wow <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, something that I do actually really like from it that I didn't get to see in uh, Reverie Under the Moonlight is actually like the items in this are very, very cool. Um, I got like a, a fairy in a bottle, which is kind of like an additional, it's not an additional life per se, but when you get down to the last like slivers of health, it actually summons a fairy and she goes around and she heals you, which was kind of nice. It was kind of just cute. I enjoyed that. And then there's also an item that I got that was like a summoning locket that allowed me to summon kind of like a ghost. It says it's a friendly ghost, but it's just a ghostly version of yourself that will attack and like lure away enemies for you which is really nice especially because in the area where you get it there's these ghosts that constantly go intangible so you can't hit them um and this character will like go around and basically just sit there until they like go tangible and then hit them because like you have to use this locket in this area otherwise you're definitely gonna die because um these ghosts when you look at them they basically go intangible but when you look away they come after you in their physical form and it's very hard to hit them without this locket so i very very much enjoy it um and i just think that that's like a cool item like a a cool design like of an item um so you have two main characters the last two notes i have here are um there are two characters you can actually play as uh, momo uh, moma and dora um they're two different shrine maidens. I have yet to actually see anything different about them. Like, other than the way they look, they play the same. And they have most of the same dialogue with different characters. So, I don't really know what's different between the two. Um, and, uh, oh, I have on here, less fan service, but extremely cute. There you go. Okay. Right, if you're looking for a more tame Momodora experience, <laughs> Momodora 3. But I really have to check out the uh, the try to use my like controller again and see if I can get it to work because I really would like this game if I could just play it with good controls because I feel like it's it is a good game it's just very hard to control with the uh, the mouse and keyboard. Yeah, it's probably designed for controllers, but I don't know. Like yeah, I don't know. It was a browser game before. It was just ported to Steam. Wow. So it was originally designed to use like these these keyboard controls. At least I'm assuming. Oh. Right. I I have no idea though. They're real bad. Um 
the last game that I've been playing, uh, and this is very little of it, because this game is fucking hard. Like, I'm <laughs> sorry, I'm just bad at video games, but Hotline Miami 2, wrong number, very hard. Uh, it's developed by uh, Denaton Games. Um... <sighs> Have you? Uh, was that a real yawn or you're like? No, 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 no. I was not a real yawn. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> that was a real yawn. <laughs> you're not, Jesus. Not into it, huh? I'm not into it, but I, I, that wasn't a real yawn. No, I respect <laughs> it. <laughs> I know Joseph loves it, so I, I, I won't be into it. <laughs> have you I've ever played, played Hotline Miami, Chris? Huh? Have you ever played Hotline Miami? I tried a little bit of it, and yeah, it was brutal. So. Um, in terms of the difficulty, so I decided not to not to play further. <laughs> well, that is something that I actually enjoy about it is it's very brutal, but it's kind of like where stereotypical like puzzle games are like very like slow, methodical, and it takes a lot of strategy. Versus Hotline Miami is the exact same thing. It takes a lot of strategy, and you have to pay a lot of attention, and you, for the most part, have to actually make your movements very, very like deliberately. Otherwise, you're definitely going to get racked from a gunshot off screen that is super annoying. But, um, like, it's it's much more fast-paced than your stereotypical puzzle games. So, I actually really like it. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, I like the, like, the different character variations. So, uh, I should say, I've never actually played Hotline Miami. I've only played uh, two. So, I don't, I don't know how exactly that plays. I actually have in here that the story doesn't make a lot of sense, I'm assuming, unless you play the original Hotline Miami, because it kind of, like, just starts off, and yeah. you're, like, in a restaurant or something, and it's like, there's these fucking dudes, and they're all like, we gonna do this tonight? And they're like, yeah. And then they get in the car, and you start murdering people. I don't, I don't know what's fucking happening. Like, I don't get it. You play as a police officer that murders, like, an entire gang and then says that they were fucking dead when you got there. I'm like, I still don't get it. Like, was this a character from before? I don't know. Whatever. Um, but it is it is a lot of fun. You can basically, like, going into different... Uh, going into different scenarios, kind of like these puzzles, you get to choose different characters, which one I played is kind of like... I don't... I can't remember his name, um, but he wears, like, a tiger mask, and his abilities are that, like, he has death punches. Everybody dies in a single punch, which the other characters don't, oh. um, but he can't pick up weapons. So he's only a melee-based character. I never have to worry about picking up and throwing weapons, but I do have to, like, corner people because most people do have ranged weapons so it can be kind of annoying and there's no like role mechanic at least like there is only for one character and that's his special ability is that he can roll but otherwise it's kind of like hiding behind corners and hoping like people come around and you can open doors and knock down people and then fucking step on their heads it's excessively gory it's awesome um but playing like i i it's kind of like going into a level and playing the much more difficult version is playing as that guy because I at one point in time was like I don't know how I will get through this level there were like probably eight enemies that could easily see me no matter what I did and I was like I don't know how I could get through this without guns I don't understand it um which is nice, though. When you actually play as this, like, zebra character who can roll, he's the opposite character in that level. Um, you actually can, like, pick up weapons and everything, and most characters can't pick up weapons, but 
there's like a large variety of them so there are like shotguns there's submachine guns there are like pistols and stuff like that but then when you run out of them you can throw them and they stun enemies and that allows you to like pick up another weapon or you can go over and do a finishing move but it actually takes a while to do that so i never did it because you uh other than with like the tiger guy who can kill people in one hit in a finishing move as well um everyone else like takes a while so you have to like repetitively hit them until they die and most people will see you by then or you'll get shot from off screen so it's really annoying like if i didn't know that this was so like strategy based and deliberate i would say that it's so cheap because of the amount of deaths that i get from off screen kills like i literally go around a corner not see anybody and then just get fucking shot from nowhere and I'm like, where did that even happen? But it turns out that one of the walls was a window. And I had no idea. <laughs> it's like the weirdest shit. Um, yeah. But it is a lot of fun. As long as you can like, I don't know. As long as you can, I guess in a sense, roll with the punches. Like you're okay with taking a lot of like emotional damage. Because it is very hard. But it is a lot of fun once you get used to the controls and everything. I did have to remap them, which is kind of nice that they give you that option. Uh, because the initial controls are kind of like weird for me. So they have like, uh, I believe it was R1 is what you use to actually attack. L1 was to pick up weapons. Uh, R2 was to actually kind of scan the area so you could go like further away and look around. But then like X was to... Uh, like use abilities at times and to use finishing moves so i actually re-graphed those to where it was like r2 was your damn like allows you to shoot l2 is to pick up items and then x or circle was to roll i i felt like that was a lot easier because that's like most games um but it's a lot of fun i would actually recommend playing hotline miami um I was watching the, uh, I believe it was like Inside Xbox yesterday, and they announced that uh, the Hotline Miami collection was coming to either Xbox or like Game Pass, something like that. Um, and that's what kind of got me in the mood to play some Hotline Miami. So I can't mm. believe you guys have never played them before, though. Nope. Never played it. Nope. No. All right, then. Uh, that is the end of the games we've been playing. Now it's time to move into the news stories. Our first news story is over on IGN. It's written by Jonathan Dornbush. I, I should say, the first couple news stories here are actually going to go by very quickly because there's not a lot of, like, I guess, substance for them. But I did think that there were, like, things that we could actually talk about and have a conversation about. So the first one is uh, Rogue Legacy 2 officially announced. Uh, despite what could have been an April Fool's joke pointing uh, to its existence, Cellar Door Games has confirmed today that Rogue Legacy 2 is officially in the works. Uh, Your Legacy continues, Cellar, Door's ro or Cellar Door wrote on Twitter, revealing the sequel will also, uh, yeah, that, that's while also revealing uh, a first look at the sequel. Yeah, so they completely changed the art style but a lot of it looks the same you still have this lineage system which i loved in the first one where like traditional roguelikes you kind of just like play a couple characters you die you can be that character again you could choose a different one versus in rogue legacy you every time you die your descendants are who actually come next and you have to pick them and there are three kind of like randomized builds that you can choose from that have like different abilities different weapons but also have different like negative effects so they can have i believe it was like vertigo actually turned the map upside down and it was so awful 
Yeah, it was so hard to deal with. But I also love the like slight jabs that they made where they would make like one of them was gay and there's like nothing. And they're like, it was just a commentary on how both the same. (laughs) And I thought that was hilarious. It's awesome. It's a great way to like jab at people who think it's different. But uh, yeah, are you guys fans of Rogue Legacy and you're excited to see this? And most, uh, the thing I want to know most is how do you feel about this redesign, this new kind of like cartoony art versus the pixel art style? I'll let uh, Josh go first. I love it, dude. I love, I'm a big fan of Rogue Legacy. I saw this art style. I don't know. I think it just fits with like the quirkiness of how this game played out anyway. Like this game is, or at least the original was very, very on the nose and just kind of like making jokes on itself. I think the art style fits with this. I think... It's super exciting to see us get a second version because I never really thought this was going to happen. But Rogue Legacy was like one of the first games I ever played that got me into this genre of roguelite games. And I'm excited to see where it goes because they've had a ton of time to, you know, see where this genre has expanded and what different uh, areas they can uh, you know, for lack of a better term, steal or borrow from to kind of make this all that it can be. Um, I'm super excited to see what comes of it. So you being the guy who plays like roguelikes, I do want to ask you a question. Um, did you like, have you played or had you played roguelikes before uh, Rogue Legacy came out that had like that progression system? Because Rogue Legacy was actually the first uh, roguelike I had played that had a real progression system where every time you died, you then invested the money that you had in building up your mansion, which then gave you like passive effects and stuff like that or brought in new vendors and stuff like that. So it had that real sense of progression, which then came like, like we said, like Moonlighter or or uh, what was it like? Underkeep? What was that one? Undermine, Undermine. <laughs> is the one that you played. So close enough. Do you um, remember this being a feature in games before Rogue Legacy? Uh, you know, personally, no. Um, but I don't. I don't think it was one of the first. Um, but it, it was the first that I played that had that kind of style. Um, the other ones that I can think of that were like early games that I played of that facet would be something like. Um, Whoa, why is the name escaping me? Uh, <laughs> the, the other one that's very mind-based, uh, where you're going down into a tunnel. Spelunky? Spelunky, thank you. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. Yeah, <laughs> Spelunky. One that's very mind-based. <laughs> you're going down, yeah. Um, anyway, Minecraft? So, Minecraft? No. Uh, Spelunky, because Spelunky had that kind of progression system of you could unlock areas so that you could get to them quicker. Um but not in the sense of upgrading your character and having, you know, uh, an easier time at getting to certain places. And I think Rogue Legacy, like Undermine, had that that effect where once you killed a boss, it would be dead for that, uh, like, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it didn't. It's been so long since I've played Rogue Legacy now. I don't believe that Rogue Legacy did. Mm. Um, I believe that once you died, it resurrected them, but I, I, I'm also not a hundred percent sure on that. Once again, not that good at games. So wouldn't be surprised if I didn't actually beat any bosses in that game. What are your takes? I know that was fast travel, um, with the original game though. Yeah. Yeah, there was. Yeah. But for me, yeah. Uh, I played rogue legacy. 
Uh, I, it was the, my first roguelite, roguelike, whatever you want to call it. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it's like I love the progression system in it. It's, you know, and I I think with the cartoon style, which I prefer personally, mm-hmm. um, I think they can play around more with the traits um, that uh, Vaughn was talking about earlier. Because yeah. you're not limited to that pixel art style. Yeah, that is very true. They could probably get really wacky with some of these designs. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Wacky to backy. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also love that they kind of, like, continue this weird, like, whimsical, uh, like, theme that they have where everyone is in a suit of armor, but then they have, like, hats on top of their helmet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I really can't wait to actually see how that plays out and how weird and interesting they uh, continue to be. But our next news story is over on Polygon. It's written by Charlie Hall, and it is Mech added to No Man's Sky for exploration and combat. Uh, Hello Games keeps rolling out free content for No Man's Sky. The latest is a giant mech suit that players can build for exploration and combat. It's called the Minotaur, and it's live right now as part of the Exo Mech update. Um... I'm not going to, like, recap the controversial launch and everything. Uh, the Minotaur mech features They're a They're recapping jetpack. it still? Yeah, yeah. After a controversial <laughs> launch, yeah. I uh, need to get that word count. <laughs> you know, uh, in case people don't know. Oh, my God. Yeah. No Man's Sky started off bad. Um, the Minotaur <gasps> mech features a jetpack that allows it to jump and slide, an immersive cockpit with multiple active display panels, and has op- uh, optional top-mounted tools and weaponry. Uh, you can actually call it down from your orbiting freighter, just like in the first-person shooter Titanfall. Uh, best of all, it's immune to all planetary hazards that should dramatically expand the survivability of players looking to explore strange new planets and live off the land once they touch down. Uh, the ExoMech update also includes additional new uh, ExoCraft features, including solar panels for recharging their engines and uh, improved scanning, and it's live on all platforms right now. How are you, wow. I, I don't think Josh has played like a whole lot of No Man's Sky. Are you super into it at all, Chris? Or do you care about it? I, I, I tried it for a little bit, but I found it um, lacking. Uh, but that was before the Beyond update, so I'm not sure uh, what they've added to the game. Do you do you know if you played it like during uh, Next or like Atlas Rising? Like, I do know, you know roughly the, the it updates? It was between that. It was between like the OG one and the first major update it had. Ah, oh, shit, dude! It had a lot. <laughs> yeah, There's really. so many updates on it, guy. It's outrageous. So, uh, but how do you guys feel about this mech suit? Um, I'm like a massive fan of mechs, and I think it's so cool that you can call it down from your like orbiting freighter. They continue to add things to No Man's Sky that I honestly would not have thought of, like uh, like <clears throat> biological ships, like actual life forms, like living ships and stuff uh-huh. like that. They continue wow. to add like really really awesome stuff to uh, make this like universe so much more interesting. So, uh, Josh, how do you feel about this? I mean, I think it's pretty cool. It still just amazes me how much content they keep rolling out into this game for free. Like, it's it's almost nuts at this point where, like, when do you start charging people again for this? Like... (laughs) It's very, very insane to me because, like, No Man's Sky doesn't have any in-game purchase options, do they? No, I don't think so. No. 
Yeah, that seems so strange. I wonder what their business model is. Uh, you know, at this they rate. made so much money off right, of the game, right? With Sony, and, and that's and awesome for them yeah. getting so much money at that one point. But like, how do you keep that rolling? You know what I mean? Like, at a certain point, they can't just roll off that money, and they need to have some way to like keep people who are there to give them stuff. Like, I don't know. It's- Here's what they've been doing, though. They've been um, putting putting the game on different platforms and uh, have republished the game with five and five games, right? So mm-hmm. they have been making uh, money from more physical sales, more digital sales, uh, just from updating the game. You know, No Man's Sky Beyond had its own physical release. So. Right. That's true. I don't know. It still I seems don't... weird. There's just so much content that I feel like... We have it every other couple of weeks. We have a, an article on the show about like No Man's Sky added this new ridiculous thing. Like it's been, you know, underwater stuff. What was that? Somebody just I have died? no idea. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that was crazy. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's, it's been like, you know, the underwater stuff. We got mechs. We got going all these different planets. We got like, they just keep rolling out content. I think it's, it's super cool. Uh, if you're a No Man's Sky, you know, uh, player right now, like now's the time to to be one. Like they've got a ton of stuff out there for you. Um, personally, the mech thing, like it looks pretty cool. Um, but with No Man's Sky, like my biggest concern with it is just like there's no real thing to do for me, and just a game without structure, uh, I'll quickly get bored of it. Yeah, but same. it's like it looks a game cool. without purpose because like yeah. You, I mean, your your goal was at least to get to the center of the universe, and then it took you out. And there's much more about it, but now it's much more about like exploration and like building your your kind of like a community and like your call or your yeah. own like base and everything. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like the game's entire purpose now is to develop a community, which I feel like also is the reason that they continue to make money, even though they're giving this dlc away for free because like every time they put out this new dlc it's back in the news cycle people see it and they might like give it a chance again so they buy the game um let alone the fact that like they're like constantly people are just getting back into this game that people are continuing to give it a chance um i also think like and i want to ask you guys' opinion do you think that they could ever actually put out a paid dlc and people wouldn't be super pissed about it uh, I think I think it's time for them that, that they could actually do that. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, people have forgiven them now because of the amount of content that's been added to the game, and those who already who just hate No Man's Sky and won't stop hating it, that you know, that, <laughs> well, they're lost. You know, um, I, I honestly think that time's passed and people are. It's actually gained a community of players that are actually enjoying the game. Yeah, I feel like they have a big enough world at this point where those people would, you know, want to support the developers at this point. Um, and, and even though every single article seems to want to reference the fact that they had a bad start, a lot of people, at least from an industry perspective, a lot of people know them as like, oh, they're going, they're doing what's you know good for the community now. They're doing right by their fans so i think it would make sense if they did pull something out that being said i think it would have to be something you know pretty extensive 
to justify it in a lot of cases because they're doing these like, oh, here's a mech thing. Here's the underwater aspect of it. Like they have these these nice chunks that they keep giving you. I feel like to justify that purchase, it would have to be a, a relatively large expansion to this world to, to justify that without it being like, uh, you know, seen as like a just, oh, well, we need money now because of whatever reason. Yeah, I don't know. They have uh, The Last Campfire coming out, which is also, like, it's, it's, uh, the people developing it are actually, like, a small team within a small team. They're, Mm -hmm. uh, just a few people within the developers, like, development team at Hello Games, which is also super annoying, mainly because, like, even in some articles about The Last Campfire, they still reference No Man's Sky and like what's happened with it it's like let it go oh my god oh yeah, my dude. god it's so annoying it's <laughs> maybe like that's every the reason why they keep updating it yeah yeah to just continually like get in the news cycle and show people that it has changed like it is a good game there's also those people that like and i'm sorry to get back on this point before we go to our next news story but there's also people who like continue to say that they burnt them at the beginning so they're not going to give it a chance now it's like this game is so different now it's Mm -hmm. so big and it has so many features and it's so much fun now whereas like in the beginning i will say it had a surprising lack of anything but uh i still enjoyed it then though not first impressions are important yeah, yeah, and it can sour people forever. Uh, but speaking of good first impressions, our next mm-hmm. news story is over on Polygon. It's written by Charlie Hall. Charlie Hall, once Charlie. again. Charlie. Um, it is Disco Elysium is coming to the Nintendo Switch soon, uh, says the developers. Um, mind-bending role-playing game Disco Elysium is headed to the Nintendo Switch. The announcement comes directly from the art director Alexander Rostov, I think is how you say his name, uh, or her name, uh, Alexander, I don't know, doesn't matter. Um, during an interview with the BBC, uh, the... And I love how, yeah, these are definitely meant for word count because 90% of this fucking article is just telling you what Disco Elysium is about. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Some people don't know. Yeah, I guess the only bit of news in here is that Disco Elysium is coming to Switch soon. How do you guys feel about that? Like, I see a lot of people online kind of like, uh, not, I mean, not saying that they aren't excited for it, but they are kind of wary because of it being so like heavily text-based and they don't know Mm -hmm. how large the text is going to be because from what I understand, like uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses had very, very small text. Mm. Yeah, I could see that being an issue, but like not everyone plays the Switch handheld also. So you also have that alternative. I mean, I guess with the Nintendo Switch Lite, you don't really have that, but... I think that's fine. (laughs) I I think this is more of like, you know, the ability to actually play a game that you might not have access to. Um, And I think, I think this style of game really fits uh, something like the switch from a portability stance, because a lot of it is, you know, this game, I love it, but it is just a lot of reading. Like, it's not something you specifically need to play on like a PC or a console. I think it does make sense to have it more of like, oh, I'm reading off a tablet kind of a thing. So I think the Switch really, it really fits this uh, this specific type of console. Um, but granted, yeah, if it's awful to read, it would kind of suck. But I feel like that's one of the things you would do as a developer, knowing that your game is just mainly text you would focus on if you're going to port this to the switch 
how do we make it not shitty? <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, they changed the UI or something. Exactly. Like, there's yeah. ways that you could get around this. Like, you just expand it. A lot of the, the, the actual speech in this game, although it is a good amount of text, there are usually easy, definitive chunks that break it based on, like, for the people who don't know anything about this game, a lot of the dialogue is coming from different parts of your own mental psyche, um, which is such a cool way to do this game in general. But each one of those will have their own separate dialogue that are color-coded, that are specific at different times, and will come up. So like, you could just expand each one of those and have them much larger on the screen and just make it so you have to click Great. the button a couple more times instead. Like it's it's something that I think is not the end of the world and I definitely think it's the right format for this kind of game. Do you think they'll uh put in HD rumble and motion controls in the, in the game? I mean, if there's a way so I wouldn't doubt that they don't because like it would make sense especially when you're, you know, that first part when you end up most people end up killing themselves at the start of the game. Jesus. Like, I think I killed it would myself make sense. like three fucking times, dude. Uh, yeah, dude. Oh, you can play Disco Elysium <laughs> on Nintendo Switch. <laughs> but you kill yourself. Yeah, Mario's, Mario's a fan of it. He likes it. Yeah. I mean, look at how many times Mario's died. Come on now. Way more than Disco Elysium has. Yeah, but he didn't die, like, of a heart attack getting his tie off of, like, a ceiling fan. You're right. Dying by jumping face first into lava is obviously better. Yeah, dude, that's manly, okay? <laughs> okay. Jeez. Uh, Chris, did you play Disco Elysium at all? Nope, but um, I will try to get the Switch version of it. It's... Um, like Joseph, there's this. Uh, I keep mentioning Joseph from Active Quest podcast. Sorry, um, but um, you're good. I love whenever a game's on Switch. There's that factor of like people who want to play it just because it's on Switch, mm-hmm. and that's that's one of those for me. Yeah, like I said, I yeah. think it fits. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of fits, our next news story is over on GameSpot. It's written by Richard Wakeling. I believe is how you say his name. Uh, and it is Chrono Trigger composer contributing original music to Sea of Stars. Legendary composer uh, uh, Yasunori Mist... Okay, I don't even know how to say the last name. It's the anime. Here we go. <laughs> Mitsuda. I'm going to go Mitsuda. Yasunori Mitsuda is uh, contributing original work to Sea of Stars, an upcoming turn-based uh, fantasy RPG from the messenger developer Sabotage Studio. Uh, Mitsuda, maybe it's Mitsuda. I'm, I don't know. I'm just going to give up. Um, is best known for his work on titles such as Chrono Trigger, uh, Xenogears, and Shadow Hearts. Without knowing exactly why I want to write music for this game uh, was... Yeah, without knowing exactly why... I want to write music for this game was the feeling I had while seeing Sea of Stars convey the nostalgic golden age of the 90s, uh, Mitsuda said in a press release. Although there are... Sorry, I'm reading this so weird. Although there are so... (laughs) Still... (laughs) 
Uh, many games being released in this classic style, I don't think players are satisfied with just nostalgia, as seen in their previous game by adding new systems and ideas to classic formulas. Sabotage Studio breathes fresh air or fresh new air into their work. Uh, impressed by the respect they show for past games, while at the same time giving players new ways to have fun, I found myself wanting to make a game with everyone at Sabotage Studios. Uh, please look forward to an exciting adventure um mitsuda joins sea of stars okay yeah that that part i mean not that it doesn't matter but that's that's mostly the news in this article so the reason i wanted to say something about this so badly and i said i was going to talk shit about it is that um i've i've seen this actually go around quite like uh, quite a bit we we saw it in our discord i had uh like chris shared it to me there are mm-hmm. a lot of people reacting to this but something like last week i believe we had uh nine years of shadows i think is what it is yeah. um was our god bless the crowd pick we kind of like glanced over it so i guess we were also part of the problem but i have yet to hear anybody actually talk about how nine years of shadows actually has some of the original composers from castlevania from what i understand Hmm. like that was something that they toted in that kickstarter but nobody's really talking about that but then there's like super stoked for the chrono trigger composer but i guess i mean chrono trigger is huge dude the chrono trigger has such a large large fan base of people who just absolutely adore this game this is seen as almost the definitive like this is the rpg game to play if you have only one to ever pick like it's so highly revered i i'm not surprised um the actual music to the game uh in general is pretty on point and i think it's i mean it just fits that same nature i don't i don't know but granted i'm sure like from a castlevania perspective they probably should have gotten more of a uh, a show to that but i guess it's just not as big of news and like it's also blowing up just because this game specifically is also blowing up right now. Like this has such a larger amount of hype behind it that it makes sense that even, even something like this would still get like, even, even if it wasn't someone who was like crazy well-known and it was, it was something like a, a lower end RPG. I think it would still get a lot of hype just because of how much, of a popularity you know spin this game has right now for their kickstarter like they're making a ton of money yeah that's true they are really making waves and people are very excited for sea of stars uh the the soundtrack stuff i was talking about with nine years of shadows is actually uh we are pleased to announce that the soundtrack will feature the participation of legendary composers uh michiru i believe uh yamane maybe and uh Manami Matsume, I believe is how you say it, of Castlevania and Mega Man fame, respectively. So they have like two supposedly, I'm assuming, like legendary composers. That was kind of just like a nitpick that I wanted to talk about because nobody's really talking about it. But you did bring up a good point is that Sea of Stars is like in the public consciousness right now. I will add more as well. I think that Castlevania nostalgia button has been pressed. And uh, I think people are okay with it right now with Bloodstained. They're like, okay. We've moved on from that. Now let's think about Chrono Trigger and RPGs, you know? Yeah, that is a good point, especially with, like, Final Fantasy VII Remake coming out. People are feeling yeah. nostalgic for these old, like, RPGs that they used to play as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And The Messenger was really 
was a fantastic kind of like love letter to that era of gaming and it seems like Sea of Stars is doing the same thing and I remember there was a video of um, the Ninja Gaiden uh, uh, creators uh, uh, some people part of the team uh, playing the messenger and they were super impressed with what it did and yep. uh, I think that that's making waves in the Japanese dev industry perhaps that's probably how this composer was able to get in touch with these guys yeah. Were you guys like big fans of Chrono Trigger back in the day? Nope. <clears throat> I think so it kind of sucks. I um not the game, not the game. It sucks that I can't Oh get man, into you're spitting fire on here, dude. I know. <laughs> so, I've tried to pick it up. Um I'm not the biggest fan of RPGs that are turn-based but have like a mix of real-time turn-based where you like have to smash the button to get the certain attack gauge up and then attack people. And like, while you're thinking about your attack, other enemies can attack you during that. Um, and Chrono Trigger plays into that. And it came, like I started picking it up at a time where another game came out right around that time. I I forget what it was, but I ended up shelving it and I've just never gone back to it because that, mechanic of rpg like that turn-based but not turn-based always kind of doesn't really suit my style um but i did really enjoy the story to it which is one of the biggest things about chrono trigger and that's why i kind of want to just push through that to get uh you know to actually get through the full story and play the game the way it's supposed to be but it's not one that i would say is my favorite do you think, like, with the release of Sea of Stars, you might actually kind of have that hankering to go back and play Chrono Trigger? I've heard the PC port has, like, the one on Steam has gotten much better since its release. Yeah, so I, I played the, the PC version, um, and to be honest, I started it up once people started saying that it was getting a lot better, so I don't really have, you know, like, I can't just say, like, oh, it was because I the game was shit at the time when I played it. It just didn't really gel with me as much. Um, but probably when it gets closer to, uh, you know, Sea of Stars and I actually play that, I might want to, but then again, I don't know. I, I am in, in this craze where I'm like thinking I, I kind of want to get back into an RPG. Like I just have that itch that I want to scratch. Um, I might end up getting Final Fantasy seven, the remake just for that, but you know, maybe I'll just go back to Chrono Trigger. It'll be a lot cheaper. <laughs> uh speaking of going back to art styles and such i guess i don't know i don't know where i was going with that good try um, our last news story is over on nintendo life it's written by damian mcfarren and it is cuphead lookalike i really hate that they say that cuphead lookalike <sighs> enchanted portals is heading back to kickstarter um Enchanted Portals, the 2D platformer that caught heat for looking a lot like Cuphead, is heading back to Kickstarter developer uh, Zizo, I'm assuming. It's XIXO. Game Studio has announced. Uh, The game was first announced in October of last year with a Switch release uh, on the cards, even at the early stage. It quickly faced accusations of plagiarism, or plagiarizing the look of Cuphead, which is stupid. Um, And... (laughs) The crowdfunding campaign was canceled not long afterwards, although the developers insisted that it was down to, uh, what? That it was down to interest from a publisher? Oh, they, okay, so they insisted that this was down to interest from a publisher. Navigating the, er, 
negating the need dude what the fuck am i even saying negating the need for the kickstarter now zizo game studio is uh resurrecting the crowdfunding drive claiming that it will allow them more control over the project and has released a new extended trailer to support this. Uh, They put out kind of a large statement here. After several months of hard work and exploring different options to fund the development of Enchanted Portals, we have ultimately decided to relaunch the Kickstarter campaign as we believe it would grant us more control over the project. To that end, we have created a new extended trailer in which we show some of the changes and new additions we've made to the game and a lot of you uh and a lot of you have been suggesting uh giving sorry my mouth got really dry uh <laughs> I was like, what given, uh given the large number of people who have asked for enchanted portals and portals to be on ps4 we've decided to launch it on that platform in addition to pc and the nintendo switch i'm assuming that's because cuphead also hasn't come to ps4 yet i don't know um uh we have made some adjustments to the overall gameplay speed aiming to offer a more exciting and dynamic experience uh we have put a special emphasis on elements and mechanics that help our game further differentiate itself from cuphead including a new more diverse soundtrack that uses different musical styles for each world in the game which i did watch the trailer and it seems like those are integrated better I guess because we actually reported on this originally when uh, this was kind of an issue. So it does sound a lot better, at least what I can remember. Uh, We have added platforming stages with a great variety of character environment interactions to space. uh, Yeah, to to spice up the gameplay. Uh, We're really excited to finally blah, blah, blah. That part doesn't matter. Um, So (laughs) How do you guys feel about this whole like enchanted portals thing? Are you excited? <clears throat> Are you under the impression that it like plagiarized Cuphead's art style? Like, what's up? You want to take this one, Chris? <laughs> I will, yeah. But you're not going to be happy with me, Vaughn. I, I I think this is an absolute plagiarized game. By it, it looks exactly like Cuphead. It plays like Cuphead. They even have the dashes like Cuphead. The bosses look like Cuphead. The animation style looks like Cuphead. It's just. It, 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 it's the same thing, and I think it absolutely plagiarizes the game. Um, I don't know. It, it, it just, I, I, I think it's a little shameless, in my opinion. Um, and I don't think they should go further with this game. Well, I do actually, I, I agree <clears throat> with there being like a lot of similarities. I guess my only issue with it is the term plagiarism because Cuphead doesn't own that art style. Like the rubber hose art style existed far before it, but I, yeah, do, there is. I do understand the comparison of it's like gameplay and everything also being very similar to Cuphead, especially when you actually watch the gameplay in Enchanted Portals. They do a lot of the same animations, like doing uh, jumping. They also do like a flip at the same time similar to like cuphead so i do actually see that i mainly just take umbrage with the like people saying they plagiarize the look of cuphead um but everything else i I definitely understand yeah i agree with that everyone else you know that they can have that art style for sure but i know it's just down to like the look of the eyes and the i just the 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 um boss designs kind of really similar to it so i don't know like you can have a game with that kind of art style but like you have to make it your own and they're not making it their own there it's um it's a cheap 
kind of like look alike to Cuphead, and I, I know you don't like that, <laughs> but it's just it, it plays like Cuphead and looks like Cuphead, and I I, I don't think um, this is going to be received very well. Hmm. Maybe my PS4 owners who want a Cuphead like experience, but. Yeah, I mean, the one reason why I'll disagree is because of how long this type of animation style takes. Uh, it could be forever before we... I mean, look how long we've been waiting for the Cuphead DLC. I don't mind it, yeah. um, because I really like the way Cuphead plays, and I want more of it, and I'm not too against it. I think I think it is a little shameless, some of the, the things that they're doing as far as, like, the, the dash and the jump are, like, yeah. very similar. But, I mean, you can't really own dashing and jumping i games. i know but it's exact it looks like exactly the same animation yeah like i, I don't know like you can make it your own like the gameplay can make can, can look can be different you know mm-hmm. um the whole idea of like lasers going towards the boss fights and um even like the width and the size of the blasts kind of look similar as well you know like it's just i don't know man I mean, I to know. to Chris's point, they also have, like, a section in this extended trailer that's very, like, uh, I hate to say it, but, like, Cuphead-esque, where, like, Cuphead and Mugman, like, in certain stages would get in airplanes, and they would fight bosses, <laughs> and in this, they do the exact same thing. It looks almost exactly the same way, but they're on brooms, so mm. it's, like, it's a very yeah. similar stage. Um so I do, I definitely agree that there's a massive amount of similarities, but I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. Like Josh was saying, like, yes, it is like, obviously, and I think we said this when, um, when we initially talked about this game was that it's obviously inspired by Cuphead. It obviously yeah. wants to be a lot like Cuphead, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Like they, yeah, they... I, I just, I just think there's a difference between copying and iteration and this is copying. In my opinion, okay, it's like Super Smash Brothers and PlayStation All Stars. They look similar, but there's an iteration of the combat there. Like there's a different, there's a change in the gameplay style. But with this, it's exactly the same gameplay style, exactly the same graphic style. They're even copying the dash animation, and I, I think it's um, uh, fraudulent. <laughs> you know, you know. Uh... I don't, I don't know. I can't, I can't go that far to say it's fraudulent. I can say that they've borrowed a bit much, uh, a little bit more than they should have. But I I don't know. I, I still want to see where this goes and what it you know becomes as opposed to just watching a two-minute video and making a decision yeah. on it. Um, but I do agree that depending on what they're doing with this, it does look very similar for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I understand people's like issue with it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's actually time for us to hop into our next segment, news cram, cram time, cram. Oh yeah, <sighs> nice. You guys double team that. Uh, so news cram is our weekly wrap up segment where we, the hosts of Indie Pod and Indie Games Podcast, cram you full of all sorts of news. This week we actually have a couple quick news stories for you before we hop in to. to some new deals and quick steals and talk about some new stuff. Uh, our first quick news story comes by way of IGN, where it's reported that indie games continue to clean up the uh, award shows. This week at the BAFTA Game Awards, um, 
Outer Wilds by Mobius Digital won Best Game. Observation, and this one is so weird. I don't, I understand what they're meaning to say, but it's such a weird category. Observation by No Code won British Game. Yep. Okay. Uh, Sign Her Wild Hearts by Simogo won the award for artistic achievement. Ape Out by Gabe Cazillo, uh, Cas- uh, Bennett Foddy, and Matt Boch. I think is how you say their names. I don't know. Uh, won the award for audio achievement, Disco Elysium by Z-A-U-M, because um, I still don't know how to say that one. Uh, won Best Debut uh, and so many more that I honestly refuse to list them. And I even wrote that down because there was an excessive amount that won uh, an excessive amount of indie games that won awards, which is amazing. So I'm not exactly complaining. And that although you are, I am. I'm complaining that there were so many, but I'm so glad that there were so many. It's a double-edged sword. That one. It's bittersweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Chucklefish has just released three new screenshots and the new logo design for Witchbrook uh, after having changed to a more 16-bit art style. Next over on GameSpot, it's reported that Mountains, the developers of Florence, have just hired the lead programmer of Untitled Goose Game, uh, Sherry Davidson. And lastly, that Terraria by ReLogic has officially sold over 30 million copies across all platforms. Now on to some new deals and quick steals. First of all, there is a new enticing bundle over on Steam that packs quite a value for a mere 51.17, which I understand saying a mere 51.17 seems like a bit. But trust me, uh, you can get your hands on Dead Cells, Subnautica, Celeste, and The Escapist 2. Uh, each one of those, I, as far as I know, are very good games. Subnautica looks really cool. I've played Dead Cells and Celeste. Very much enjoy them both. Um, still haven't beaten either, you know, because I'm just bad at games. But that's just me. Tsk, tsk. <laughs> and lastly, you can get critically acclaimed indie puzzle game Monument Valley 2 completely free on Android and iOS. Uh, this deal only lasts for a limited time, though, so you'd better download it while you still have the chance. Now on to some new stuff. Our first five, item, five items, Jesus, five, five items in... New stuff come by way of Nintendo Life, where it's reported that WayForward Shantae has finally become a Funko Pop and is now available for purchase. You gonna buy that one, Big Josh Boy? I will not. I will buy the game. I don't know why you're being such a bitch about this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the 2D aerial shooter Jet Lancer by Code Wakers is headed to the Nintendo Switch on May 12th. Uh, that isometric bullet hell shooter Null Drifter by panda indie studio is headed to the nintendo switch on april 9th the 2d side-scrolling shooter cat girl without salad amuse bouche by wave forward is out now on the nintendo switch are you gonna They're get that game? Out a lot of stuff yeah <laughs> in connection now this yeah. wave forward I, is doing a lot they're doing some yeah. good stuff no i will not get that game that game looks very strange <laughs> It absolutely does. Uh, and lastly, that action RPG Dandy Dungeon by Onion Games is, uh, just received a massive amount of free DLC with more than 90 dungeon types, over 560 wow. weapons and armor, and 260 plus monsters and more. That was a quote from their press release. Um, now over on Twinfinite, where it's reported that 2D Roguevania Dead Cells by Motion Twin will finally be headed to Android devices on June 3rd for $9.99. And to round out the group over on GameSpot, it's reported that indie puzzle game Grindstone by Capybara Games has just received a free content update on Apple Arcade that includes 15 new levels, a uh, a, fi- a new final boss, three new weapons, and much more. So, 
Fellas, we have been blessed with so many amazing indie games news stories that I think it's about time we give back to the creators. In our next segment, God Bless the Crowd, this is where the biggest of average just boys hops into all sorts of awesome crowdfunding sites, finds us something cool to talk about, and we do just that. Uh, currently, we are looking at Game Deck uh, by, what is it? and char studios uh this one's over on kickstarter they are looking for fifty thousand dollars they have blown past it with one hundred and eight thousand three hundred twenty nine dollars at the time of this recording with two thousand nine hundred and ninety eight backers and 18 days left to go this is an isometric cyberpunk rpg set in is that the 22nd century 22nd yeah Okay, cool. Uh, Game Deck is an adaptive cyberpunk isometric RPG. Uh, You are a Game Deck, a private detective who solves crimes inside virtual worlds. Big Josh Boy, how do you feel about this one? Honestly, um, I think this game looks really cool. Uh, To to be honest, I'm not the craziest about detective games. It's not usually my style, but I really like the aesthetics of this game. It... I generally just like the cyberpunk kind of worlds. But even, you know, past that, the game has a lot of, at least from what they're saying, a lot of branching elements to it that I think are going to make this style of game really enticing, especially being, you know, a detective game of you never really know what's the right choice until you make it. Um, So I think there's a lot of cool elements to this. I like that a lot of the world, there's like very normal cyberpunk area but then you'll go out and it's more of like a an evil kind of diablo looking forest area there's Mm. like uh these more normal villages there's a very extensive world there's like a western looking area so it's, it's there's a lot going on in this game i'm very intrigued at what exactly it's going to be um for those who are interested it's um basically you know, you solving those mysteries. So it's more of a, a kind of search for clues, uh, going into different areas, talking to people. So it's not going to be a crazy, like, action-packed game if that's your style. But if you're more into this methodical thinking, you know, trying to search for who done it kind of a, a game, I definitely think that this is going to be something that people should keep their eye on. This gives me heavy Disco Elysium vibes. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, it really it's, does. it's like it made a baby with uh, Ready Player One. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it really does. That's kind of why, uh, especially, I'm intrigued by it. And even though the detective thing usually isn't for me, that's kind of what everything about Disco Elysium <clears throat> was. Um, it depends on how they, they implement this, but I definitely think that this... For, like you said, for people who like Disco Elysium, this might also fill that same kind of void uh, for just something that's so extensive and expansive, even though, you know, it's a video game. But it, it does very well seem like this could go in so many different angles, depending on the choices you make. From what we saw in the in the trailer and the different footage we see on this Kickstarter, do you think that they'll hit this Q4 2020 release window? Um... You know, seems like they're pretty far in. Yeah, you know, I would, yeah, it does seem like that. I would say no because generally that is a pretty you know lofty goal for most Kickstarters that come out. But like this did look very fleshed out. Like they had a lot of different areas that all looked really nice. They had a lot of different elements that were shown on the screen as far as you know the different branches of uh, paths that you could take for your character, as well as different choices that you're making in the game. Like 
it looks like they have a lot of this content already here. Um, <clears throat> granted, with you know how the world is working right now, you never know that things could get pushed back. Um, but I mean, I don't think it's impossible if you know they already have all of this content here available. And they've shown it at uh, Gamescom before as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it seems like it's probably pretty far in development. So I honestly, the thing I find that's like really, really cool and the thing I love about this game is really like, it's less of the detective aspects of it, but the fact that like this world is, it, this all takes place in a world that's like the lines between virtual reality and reality are so blurred that it seems like the two are very like near and dear so much so that like there you play a detective that investigates murder in virtual reality mm-hmm. that's so interesting because you'd think there are like no actual consequences within virtual reality i'm excited to see like if huh. there are and what ha- exactly happens plus i love to see these different worlds where like how you said it goes from this like typical cyberpunk to like uh like this crazy um like middle ages kind of vibe like it's yeah it's very i i don't know it's very uh what's the word i'm looking for i'm totally blanking (laughs) fuck i don't know it's action-packed well no it's not action-packed but it's jam-packed with a bunch of different locations it's so point and click (laughs) it's so action action action-packed man it's so diverse in the different locations that you can have like i i definitely it's something that could make or break the game because you can, you could definitely see that there's a lot more quality and uh, minute details in the cyberpunk world as opposed to like this one where they're kind of like farming outside, which it also might just be because of the fact that it is a darker world. It doesn't allow for uh, you to notice kind of, I guess, minor uh, details that aren't perfection. Uh, kind of a thing but it's it's being nitpicky with it i think it's interesting that there's so many different worlds in this uh and would make a good compelling story with what you said of having like a real world and a virtual world and being able to go back and forth between those two i mean what's also so cool about this is that like even if you get kind of annoyed about this like cyberpunk setting then you can go and the word i was looking for was medieval by the way i just could not remember it um but you could then go to a world that's like in a medieval setting or like this rural like farming setting or you could go to this more like fantasy setting with freaking like castles built on like rocks in the sky and shit like that like there's this setting is so interesting and so cool and i'm very excited to see the like the different like avenues that they take it and what worlds they take this into yeah how do you feel so about you this guys, Chris? yeah um yeah it looks really cool um i'll I, th- I think i'll check it out once it comes to consoles you know um but i think it's just pc for now is that right uh pc steam gog.com yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so yeah I, it seems like a really cool world and uh, i might get into these kind of games after disco elysium comes to the switch right so i might have to get this one on pc later on i, I won't back it now because it's not probably not my kind of game but uh we'll see all right sounds good were you gonna say something before i asked you your opinions i <laughs> know mm. uh, no, uh, i was just gonna say are you guys backing it Oh, it's, uh, 
at the moment i'm probably not going to um this is something i want to check out when it actually comes out but sadly at the moment 25 dollars is something i want to hold on to for the most part yeah so <laughs> times are tough right now um yeah that is for sure no and this is a game that i think i could really be into but it's one of those ones that i also want to wait a bit and see how it rolls out and see other reviews on it before i make that decision um this has a lot of potential but it's like i mentioned not generally uh, a game that i gravitate towards um detective stuff isn't usually my thing disco elysium was definitely a different story just because i just fully was just so you know enthralled with the actual dialogue and the story to it but even with disco elysium that was a game that i picked up because i heard others ranting and raving about it when it first came out and i that said okay well if it's that good of a story i'll try it out i think i would probably end up doing the same with this what do you think about these facebook and twitter shares they're kind of kind of gross a little bit but because like tier one is additional figurine inside your game deck apartment tier two additional interaction with an npc in your game deck apartment and tier three is an additional ending for an npc side quest so what do you guys think of that where are you referring to i don't i, I didn't it's even social see media that. goals so with facebook and twitter shares mm-hmm. they want you to reach a certain threshold to get those unlocked and it looks like they have unlocked them but i I thought that was kind of odd thing to put onto a kickstarter not really actually so this is actually pretty common in a lot of the newer kickstarters that that are coming out um they usually have facebook and twitter shares just to you know promote uh actually pushing things usually it's a little different um i haven't really seen this where they're actually saying like oh we'll do new stuff based on it uh this happening usually it's more of um like i think sea of stars did this and what they did is based on a certain amount of twitter shares or facebook shares they started revealing more about the campaign like they'd be like we'll reveal more artwork for the for the like here's a couple more enemy archetypes and here's a couple more you know of the the songs that might be in here that we've already composed before and things like that to kind of promote like people talking about it and then they put more into it so that it's constantly expanding and rolling out and it just keeps that um that cycle because what you find in a lot of cases with kickstarter is from the start of a kickstarter uh campaign launching you usually have a lot of hype and then in the middle there's kind of nothing so that pushes usually you to have more people talk about it at the start and then you roll out new things that continue that storyline as new pieces uh come out you know new art designs or new music whatever it is um, I just thought it was kind of weird to lock that content when it's already been crowdfunded, so I thought that was a bit odd. Yeah, yeah, it is a little strange that it was it was new things, but I guess that's just more of like, like they set these at very you know a, a, a obtainable goals. Like it's not like it was Facebook yeah. shares a, a million. It's only their highest was right, sixty right. here, so it's not like this was you know unheard of. So I think this, they went into this knowing it, but just pushing it so people feel more compelled to be like oh i kind of want that additional thing i'm just going to share it Mm -hmm. yeah it's not something we often talk about in god bless the crowd but like josh said it happens quite often like sea of stars specifically um they had like 
2,500, they did an enemy reveal. 5,000, they did an enemy reveal. 10,000, they do Mm -hmm. one. uh, On Discord, they get shares like 5,000, an area reveal, and they did the same thing for 10,000. And then on Facebook is a player character or a playable character reveal at 10,000. So, yeah, they're not necessarily locking any content behind it with this one. They're kind of just uh, like showing you more about the game. So, yeah, yeah, I, I see what you mean, though. It is something that's come up a few times. It's kind of weird. But uh, speaking of kind of weird, let's move into our random questions. <laughs> our first random question is written in by John Moore, founder of Parallax Media. And he says, thoughts on the PlayStation 5 controller? And he said he likes it. My initial it. thought is that I hate that they called it the uh, DualSense. I think that's fucking stupid. But yeah, I think it's fucking awesome. Oh, I hate. I it. think the controller's cool. I do not like oh. the name DualSense. I hate it. But but he, I was talking to uh, Joseph uh, about this while I was playing uh, Warzone with him. I think it sets a new precedent. Um, like rather than DualShock Five, it's DualSense, and it makes sense because it's an evolution of that controller. It's not just vibrating your controller. It's more than that. It's giving you more. Uh, sensual feelings, you know, like mm-hmm. you, you're feeling that, uh, um, you feel them that bow going backwards. I know it feels so good. Some kind of way. Or that that mud is gonna feel so moist. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> it's gonna make you feel so dirty in that mud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think where Sony is going this generation is like they're trying to make games more immersive, you know, with the 3D sound and with the more immersive PS5 controller. Um, I know Bethesda's uh, Pete Hines, he said he's impressed with the controller too, so I'm, I'm excited to see what developers do with this controller. My biggest um, thing with the controller is the back buttons, the shoulder buttons. They look terrible. Yeah. Like, they're not like curved to fit your finger it's more like bulgy so it's that's a little bit of a concern for me it looks so close to what the xbox controller is and that's bad and i (laughs) i love the xbox controllers though but like honestly the 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 playstation controller this new one just it's not really the like i i I love a lot of the features that are coming from it especially like the haptic feedback one um I, i love the actual like the placement of everything but like the design just it just looks ugly to me i really i, hate, yeah, I think I it looks kind of robotic no i, I think hate it's it. cool i hate the two-tone color to it with the stupid little like uh, off square button but like only a little bit of black underneath like if that was a just one plain color i would have been like okay that's fine but the way they've designed it i feel like it just sucks and granted you could just probably put a skin over it and i'd be like all right it's okay but i looking at it it just looks so dumb to me someone uh sorry somebody brought this up in the um in that GameSpot after dark like pod or the discord the other day that i didn't even think about was that uh i kind of thought this color scheme was annoying because white controllers like having worked at GameSpot or gamestop fuck God damn it. I always get this too mixed up. I always say that too. Uh, Having worked at GameStop, uh, white controllers often came in and were like brown and yellow. It is not a color that does well with your hands constantly touching it. So I thought that was kind of annoying, but then somebody brought up that it's actually the same color scheme as the PSVR. And I thought that was really, really cool. I didn't even think about it like that, but it's like literally the exact same. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the controller looks really cool. I don't like the kind of like bra-esque 
like little slant that they have at the bottom that's like black though i think that looks weird i would much rather have just a one tone like you said yeah one tone color please um i don't know it just looks i'd love you know i think this would look really sick if there's like two different tones of black on it that'd be really that'd be really sweet looking because mm-hmm. i saw a few of those mock designs from fans mm-hmm. and there's like this multicolor playstation logo in the middle and then like the two black black tones from the ps4 and the ps3 and that looks really good something that i really hope it has is that the bottom of it has like a texture like it's matte or something yeah. instead of being all slippery like the controllers mm-hmm. that we have now like uh something like what is it um shit there have been different like xbox on xbox one they've made a lot of really really cool controllers and there are several of them that actually have like a texture on the bottom and i like them so much more because of that so um i just can't remember what it was specifically but uh yeah i'm i'm excited about this and i think it's kind of cool even though i hate that name because that's what i mean but that is, I mean, once you point it out, like, once you think about a dual sense, it's like, oh, they're adding additional, like, uh, sensor, like, they're kind of, like, heightening your senses with certain things with the haptic feedbacks and stuff, so it totally makes yeah. sense. Yeah, gotta get sensual. <laughs> uh, Josh Nichols from that there, Active Quest, writes in and says, what is your favorite video game movie, or, or what was your favorite video game movie before Detective Pikachu released? Big Josh boy. Uh, What's That's your favorite a good question? I don't really know. I didn't really have a favorite. I, I feel like a lot of video game movie uh, or video game movies. Yeah, I don't know why that was so hard for me. I feel like a lot of them sucked. I don't really remember one that I liked. Um, I've got one. Yeah, you go. I'm, I'm still trying to think about this. Um, I really liked Hitman Agent 47, actually. That was a pretty... That was a decent action movie and i had enough fun with it you know was that the one with um, timothy oliphant or was it the th- other guy uh the new one the newer one okay okay agent 47 i remember Tilfi- timothy oliphant looked fucking weird bald he's very <laughs> distracting <laughs> uh for me i'm gonna just come right off the cuff and say i don't think detective pikachu is that good of a movie but you know whatever. oh fuck you it has fucking oh, fuck three you. different pokemon no. in that fucking movie in a world of pokemon no, you, that's you cool suck oh my god <laughs> suck. Uh, for me my favorite video game movie before that was mass effect paragon lost i'm just a big fan of like mass effect and i thought the animation was really really good and it was like a lot of fun to get an additional story from the mass effect universe from uh, the perspective of james vega and how he like kind of handled everything um with the collectors and how in the end it actually kind of it was all for naught because like fucking Shepard had already saved everybody. So it's very interesting. And it was a really awesome tie in to the mass effect universe. Unlike detective Pikachu. Bah dude, fuck detective Pikachu. I love that. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked the movie. I haven't watched it since though. Uh, but I, I, Ryan Reynolds is really funny in it. Um, the Pokemon look really cool. And uh, I love the mix of like the Pokemon and the humans living in rhyme city. I, I thought it was, yeah. I, I thought it was sick. Yeah. Have I don't... you, sorry, no. go ahead. No, 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 you go. Oh, uh, I was just, I thought you guys were done, so I was going to ask you if you had uh, found your favorite movie yet. 
favorite movie? Oh, like me? Like favorite video game movie? Yeah, you have yet to answer the question. What do you mean? That's because <laughs> I don't. Well, because you just said movie? favorite movie. I was like, are we changing this Your to a totally video different game question? movie before Detective Pikachu? Have you? I don't. I don't think I had one. I think. How about the Tim Raider movies? Every, that's the only one I could think of because I was like Angelina Jolie was hot. Like this is literally <laughs> the only reason. <laughs> I, that's uh, so true. That, yeah. Other than that, I feel like every other video game movie has like been awful. So I have a cop out. I have a cop out answer for you. All right. Uh, Rocket Ralph. Oh, I do. I love Rocket Ralph. I will. I will stick with that. But that's not the same. <laughs> Definitely nice not well. the same. But I do love Rocket Ralph. Uh, Joseph Yaden, also from that their active quest, that beautiful boy. Man, who are these people? They keep writing in. So nice. Oh yeah, they're so nice to us. Uh, he says remake Resident Evil Four or nah? What do you guys yeah. think? I'm not a big fan of the Resident Evil game, so. What do you guys think? Chris, you want to go first? Yeah, I think they should uh, remake uh, Resident Evil 4. I think the controls are ass. Um, The visuals (laughs) don't hold up that well. And uh, I'd love to uh, check out Resident Evil 4 because the controls were ass and I wasn't able to play for it more. Um, Also, I think some of the mechanics in the game are a bit dated, like the... um, What was it? Oh, bugger. Like the cinematic sections where you press buttons. Quick time events? Quick time events, that's it. Yeah. Mm. I think that those are really eight. That, that, those haven't aged well. So. <laughs> yeah, not really. Um, from my side, uh, to be honest, I've never played a Resident Evil game. Never, ever. No. I have, yeah, I have not. It was one of those things where I was thinking about getting into it for the Resident Evil 2 remake because there's been so much hype about it being so great, but it just they never clicked with me and it was honestly because of their the fact that a lot of those games have tank controls and it has never been okay. something for me um start with resident evil 2 or resident evil 7 because i used to think exactly the same way did yeah. um but i'm i've been converted to the series i and i really love it now um just because of the atmosphere that the game gives it's very tense and i i really like the puzzle mechanics in the game um so i i think it should start with either two or seven and i think it's the perfect time now because they're on sale in the spring sale hmm. all right yeah maybe i'll pick it I up then. PS4. yeah yeah it's like 20 bucks resident evil 2 oh that's actually really good then yeah huh yeah maybe i'll have to do that uh, as far as the question i think it, like they're gonna do it they'd be crazy not to this is they yeah. they're making so much money off these remakes like this is the way they should go especially just to keep pushing that brand and then you know as they're doing that they also make resident evil 8 but like why not yeah. and resident evil 4 is kind of the odd one out now like that's the only one that has kind of like dated graphics yeah, yeah, Every, yeah everything yeah. else you could probably deal with like resident evil 5 looks fine resident evil 6 is resident evil 6 um, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no it, it makes sense i i would be surprised if they didn't uh, i say they do it yeah uh samuel Fillion writes in and says i have always wondered what are your cliches about canadians the good <laughs> so, and the ugly so, so. no no worry about hurting our feelings because in an accident we say sorry even if it's the other person's fault he points out that that's a cliche and says a lot of assholes down here too <laughs> So here's some something that we found out about Canadians now living here. Um, it actually has just been the 12th anniversary of um, the first day I moved here. 
so wow. it's pretty cool congrats uh and i love canada just to get get this started but um one thing that we really don't like is their driving manners they're really nice people outside the car horrible people in in the car wow. holy shit so inconsiderate <laughs> i don't know and have you have you lived down here and driven down here because uh no they're no. pretty bad too <laughs> we we got scared in los angeles dude holy shit yeah my dad was like oh my god 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 try driving in new york it's uh oh, it's awful really? <laughs> yeah dude i don't fuck with big cities i just make my fiance drive mm-hmm. <laughs> like i don't care and, if your uh, car's a rollover risk i'll just fucking die then rather <laughs> than drive in a big city yeah no, tim it's... hortons is bad get a low get go to a local donuttery instead really <laughs> um yeah I, I hear everyone loves it up there though what are you talking it, about it sucks the the burger king bought them out and now it, the quality has gone down drastically the king that is such a weird sentence to hear yeah is that burger king bought out <laughs> they tim did hortons. they did yeah it's terrible now Damn. it used to be like a really cool bakery place you could get like awesome donuts and nice the chili's still nice but everything else and they just ruined it yeah do uh does everyone say a boot uh no no um, only in a specific place i think but... uh. <laughs> do you do you also drink milk in a bag we don't drink milk in the bag milk in the bag are you no. sure i've heard you guys yes. do yes mm, I don't know. i'm very sure i think you're lying <laughs> samuel <laughs> let us know if uh, your part in canada uh, drinks milk from a bag, <laughs> but I don't think so. I feel like we've maybe pretty you're much... crazy Quebecans, Quebecois though. Maybe <laughs> you do that because you're nuts. I feel like we've pretty much covered all the cliches of Canadians that I can think of because that's like drinks maple <laughs> syrup, loves Tim Hortons, drinks milk from a bag. I didn't know that they were bad drivers, which is interesting. But okay, <laughs> what, what else? What what other cliches can you think of? And I'll answer them for you. <laughs> um i saw one the other day so one of the things i looked up because i was like i could think of some generic ones but i wanted to see a couple like other stereotypes for it and one of them was that your money smells like maple syrup (laughs) that's definitely incorrect (laughs) i was like what a stretch i would smell it right now but that's not it's probably not uh, the place to put that's not the safest thing to do right now (laughs) Ooh, let's go down an article. 15 Canadian stereotypes that are actually oh, true. shit. They don't feel that cold like Brits. Hmm? Is that true? Do Canadians what? not feel that cold, apparently, like the Brits? Um, so... Yeah, they're kind of used to the cold by now, but we still complain about it. Oh, dude, fuck this. I'm not going to do this whole 15, because they have one of those bullshit things where you keep having to click. So, we found oh, out no. that... <laughs> You Close guys enough. can survive the cold. We got in at Edmonton. Least one. It's fucking cold, dude. I hated it. I hated every single day of it. Oh, my God, <laughs> waiting, waiting at the bus stop at like minus thirty-five weathers, weather, or whatever bullshit Fahrenheit temperature you have over there. But yeah, it was. <laughs> it's fucking it. cold. Uh, living in Florida, <laughs> I don't know anything of it. Yeah, it's you just always, know gators. It's always warm. Bunch of gator people mm-hmm. down in Florida. So that's, you had to worry about it. Yeah. That's, uh, we're, we're keeping one alligator uh, apart for social distancing. That's what they tell us down here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. They're just telling you to party and uh, go to concerts and stuff, right? Yeah. On the beach. It's spring break. 
Yeah, spring break, dude. I got to make nice of it. I paid for this. I got to get my money's worth. <laughs> People fucking, suck. Fucking uh, idiots. Yeah. Uh, Robert R. writes in and says that he has two questions. One, what is the highest number of hours you put into a single game? And two, what is the longest you have played a game in one sitting? Things like bathroom and snack breaks don't reset the timer. So number one. Uh, what is the highest number of hours you have put into a single game, Big Josh Boy? Um, I mean, off the top of my head, I'm going to go with probably about, when considering my resurgence of Binding of Isaac, probably like 300 hours now. <laughs> Damn. Jesus. Um, because now I'm I'm rounding to about like, close to like 150 to 200 now since i started playing it on the switch and i used to play it a lot back in the day when it was just regular and didn't have any dlc so yeah it's got to be anywhere from 200 to 300 hours that i put into the binding of isaac um and then what is the longest i've played in a like a game in one sitting um from the last time I can remember, uh, like recently, it definitely hasn't been that long. I think the longest that I've done in quite some years has probably been like more of like a four-hour period, um, which is still a, a good amount of time, but it's not like anything crazy just because now I'm mostly an adult and have to do things in the real world. Um, I'm sure there were days where I played video games from like, you know, the minute I woke up to the minute I went to bed back when I was in like high school and shit like that. But I don't know exactly how long it was. Uh, Chris, what about you? Do you have any answers to these two? I have over 300 hours in Overwatch, I think. Ooh, Holy nice. shit. Yeah. And the longest I've played the game in one sitting is probably be Kingdom Hearts 2 back when I was a kid. But, um, uh, just, just. Uh, I've also done a 24-hour stream for Extra Life before, uh, live in the mall. <laughs> um, so that was really cool. Uh, for me, the highest amount of hours I put into a single game would probably have to be either like Destiny or Destiny Two, because I put a shitload of hours into both of them. Um, mm. Annually, I pretty much put like a hundred, uh, like almost 200 hours into Destiny Two, pretty much every year. Um, so yeah, I put a lot oh, of Oh, we gotta play some then. For yeah. the you, you gotta create a new character and play some with me. Yeah, play some on Stadia with you. Yeah. No, you can play it on PS4 and I could play it on Stadia or something. I think is that the It doesn't have cross know, play, cross it just has cross save. Oh, so cross I can save. Okay. I can move my characters over to Stadia. <laughs> you but... can play it in Stadia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could. I don't think my internet can handle it, but I could. <laughs> I'd actually be interested to see if your internet can handle it. Yeah, shit, internet out here in Idaho. Just I love experiment, so yeah. much when people talk about like freaking third world countries having 15 megabytes, and I'm like, that's how much I have in Idaho. <laughs> Idaho is what are you even talking country. about? It's running on potatoes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So definitely like either Destiny or Destiny 2. Probably Destiny because like I used to play it literally every day for like eight hours a day in my like Damn. I guess in its heyday. Um, oh, I guess that's true. I didn't even think I used to play an MMO. I'm pretty sure Maple Story is the, the game that I put the most time into back when I was in high school. <laughs> Freaking Maple Story of all things. Do you think that maybe DDR? How much do you think you've oh, done in there? Oh, God, that's good, too. Yeah, I've probably played more DDR. I played that, like, every day after school 
in high school for fucking like uh like at least three hours a day holy shit that's a lot uh number two what is the longest you've ever played a game in one sitting I would honestly say probably only like 12 to 14 hours. Um, When the original Last of Us first came out, I went and bought it and actually played it all night until I finished it. That's that's pretty much, I would say, the longest like I've played, but I don't. Yeah, I I honestly am too like I I have to have my sleep. I have to chill. My like fucking head hurts and shit. Like I got to watch <laughs> a TV show or some bullshit. Like I can't just sit there and play a single game for an excessive amount of time, especially anymore. Like anymore I have so much going on or at least mm-hmm. have so much that I could have going on, like the potentials there. Like I could watch a TV <laughs> show. Not that I have friends or anything. It's just that I could play a different game or I could watch TV. So not that you could be with that's friends why. right now, anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I still have to go to work, so I, mm-hmm. I see my friends. Let's try mm-hmm. to stay six feet apart, and we wear masks now. But one alligator. Yeah, one alligator apart. I'll make sure I tell everybody that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that is the end of this podcast, though. Nice episode, guys. Good job. Little little clap for us. Yeah. Oh yeah. So nice. We made it through. It was only like over two hours. Um, I definitely, my bladder's about to burst. I got to get something to eat. This is exciting. Yeah. Love this feeling at the end of the podcast. It's yeah. my favorite. It's great. <laughs> uh, um, here, I'm sending over, uh, you know, I said that as a joke, the alligator thing, but that's actually like a real thing they say. <laughs> what the fuck? So, uh, <laughs> like fucking Florida, dude. So give me a second because I'm going to send Holy it. shit. <laughs> I love it. Like, nope. That, I mean, I said it as a joke, but that's real. Like, my real. life is real. Fuck off. I love the picture. A full alligator. I love that every fucking person in Florida has had to have seen at least one alligator to understand this. So they're like, we get it. Yeah. Everyone's going to understand. It's one alligator. Six feet? No, you've definitely never seen somebody in Florida that's six okay. feet tall, but you've absolutely seen an alligator. It's true. Florida is the Australia of America. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's all bad. just convicts. Um, so that's the, the end of this episode. Ukraine. Damn, what a way to end that. <laughs> that was absolutely a joke, by the way. I didn't actually know that Australia was originally like developed by conflict uh, convicts. I thought that was crazy. It's like a prison island. Mm-hmm. That blew my mind. Yeah. Uh, but that's the end of this episode. Thanks everyone so much for watching. If you'd like to get in touch with us outside the show, you can follow me at Hyde Legion on Twitter. You can follow Josh at the underscore George 90. You can follow Chris at Penwell writes, uh, and you can follow Chris and I's new podcast. Uh, it's called go beyond. It's just go beyond pod on Twitter. Uh, it's a, my hero academia retrospective podcast. We, we watch through every episode. We talk about like the differences in the manga. We talk about all sorts of stuff. Obviously this is an indie games podcast but you got to shill when you got to shill you know Vaughn gets super in depth as well which is really cool <laughs> well thank you um i don't yes. know if that was a compliment but uh i'll give you a lot of insults but that's the general compliment <laughs> Uh, you can also follow this podcast on Twitter at IndiePod. Super easy because you know the name of the podcast. At least I hope you do if you're listening. Uh, 
Make sure you keep an eye out for our God Bless the Crowd tweet we put out on every uh, Thursday so you guys can check out the actual, like, Twitter, or not Twitter, the Kickstarter pages and everything uh, before you listen to the episode on Friday. And make sure you look out for our question tweet we put out every Monday, and I remind you about it on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And if you don't see that tweet and you want to send us a question, no matter the time of day or whatever, you can always send it to the email. Uh, that is IndieIncursionPodcast at gmail.com super easy it's an old name but it's a new email literally i love that we set up that email and then like three weeks later we fucking switched <laughs> it to like let's Pod. change it <laughs> yeah why not it totally works and, uh, you can find um active quest at active quest show and you can listen to my podcast called uh let's speak geek uh, which is a geeky interview series. So I just talked with one of my friends, Chris Ranta, um, who uh, and, and and we just geeked about a bunch about uh, movie news and stuff. Oh, not movie news, uh, movies and uh, ga- uh, games and all sorts of things like that. So check it out. You can Very also cool. see Chris's written work on Switchwatch and Sip Read Repeat. Correctly? Yeah. Correct? Correctly? You are correct. <laughs> Like correctly? Sorry, I, I'm just my brain is fried. It's been two hours. I'm ready to go to sleep. <laughs> uh, that's good. the end of this episode. Thanks everyone so much for watching, and we will see you all next week. Boom, dude! I did it. I dude, had to think about so it. good. Bye, fam. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.